previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast. We were the underdogs. Everybody was cheering. Nobody was rooting for Morehouse. Everybody was cheering for us. And I want people to realize this was a huge thing. From Delaware, almost live, this is the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. Episode 69 of the Sports Refuge Podcast is live and on the feed. I am your host, Earl Holland. Thank you for listening to this episode. The chase for the Vince Lombardi Trophy is now on as 14 teams punch their tickets into the NFL playoffs. Seven from the AFC and seven from the NFC. In this episode, we'll talk to a number of guests who are representing the teams in the playoff field, and we'll go from AFC to NFC, with each fan talking about how they became a fan of their team, expectations for the year, before finally giving us their predictions for Super Bowl 55 and who will be representing both the AFC and NFC in the big game. Here is the rundown for the teams in the playoffs and the fans representing their teams. In the AFC... Representing the AFC East champion Buffalo Bills, Corey Sealer. From Pittsburgh, the AFC North champions, it will be Jackie and Ben Jennings. Representing the AFC South champion Tennessee Titans, it's Jason Bruce. Representing the AFC West champion Kansas City Chiefs, Jeffrey McCoy. For the wild cards, representing the Cleveland Browns, Gene Goblinger. Representing the Baltimore Ravens, Carl Anderton. And representing the Indianapolis Colts, Chaldre Johnson. Taking a look at the NFC, the NFC East champion Washington football team will be represented by Ramel Fields. The NFC North champion Green Bay Packers, represented by friend to the show, Theran Dennis. The NFC South champions, New Orleans Saints, will be represented by Anaka Bitek. And for the NFC West champion Seattle Seahawks, Jeremiah Metzger will be discussing his fandom. For the teams in the wildcard race, for the Chicago Bears, Cameron Kemp will talk about his team's expectations for the season. In the NFC South wildcard, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dante Finney, another friend of the show, will discuss his passion for the Buccaneers. And rounding out the playoff field, for the Los Angeles Rams, Donald Johnson will talk about his passion that is extended through three different cities, including Los Angeles twice. And now, let's take a look at the AFC, starting with the number seven seed, the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts, and this is Chaldre Johnson, my nephew. You've been a longtime fan of the Colts, and I always have to ask everybody when it comes to this, what made you become an Indianapolis Colts fan? So, of course, my dad's a huge Ravens fan, living right in Maryland, a lot of Ravens fans. But I just kind of just so, wanted to go to my own way, probably more so because my dad was a Ravens fan. I just wanted to, to go to a different place. But I saw when I first seen Peyton Man and Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, all them boys going at it with the Chargers, Patriots, all those playoff games, crazy years watching them lose to the Saints, and that hurt my heart. I, I, I was a Colts fan for a while, but I was still young when they won the Super Bowl. But over time, as I got older, and once I really started understanding what football was, Peyton Man, it was definitely the game changer to me becoming a Colts fan. To you, what is your most memorable moment as a Colts fan? Was it that Super Bowl or was it something else? Well, my most memorable moment, it's not actually the positive one. I will never forget that year we lost to the Saints in the Super Bowl. That hurts my heart to 
to the core because, like I said, I was in middle school during the time, and everyone was literally rooting against the Colts. Didn't matter if you were a Ravens fan. Everyone was a Saints fan against Colts fan. And just from the moment that onside kick happened the second half, I just had a bag up feeling. Then that interception that sealed the deal and all the backlash that I caught in middle school. So, yeah, that was definitely the most memorable moment. Like, that was especially just having them go undefeated and then basically giving up the last game by just sitting all the starters. And, you know, I mean, and that thing is the Colts defense, man. That's a huge difference, man. I watched a lot of games go south for us over the years because of defense. I I was thinking that one game where the the Colts were playing the Steelers, I think it was AFC Championship, and they got the pick, and the one Steelers player – who apparently had been like stabbed in the leg by his girlfriend or something, uh, came in and made the tackle on the guy on the interception, was the last man to beat. And that oh. was the difference in the playoffs. I, I don't remember uh, who it was to play or anything, but I just remember they said the guy got stabbed in the leg by his girlfriend um, in an altercation. They didn't think he was going to play. And he was the last guy to beat to sit and save, and save the touchdown. And, I mean, I feel like with the Colts, we just always were there. And then it's just – it's either a tragic defeat or we win. Like, I remember a couple playoff years we lost, lost to the Jets, a couple field goals, or I was definitely expecting to go farther in the playoffs. And, and you know what I mean? So, it's just really nice to have an overall complete team finally. And I know over the years the the biggest – consistency there has been has been the quarterback position for years Peyton Manning and then Andrew Luck and now after that one year without Andrew Luck and it was Jacoby Brissett and and a cast of others now they have Philip Rivers how has Philip Rivers been and how did that lead into your expectations coming in for this year I don't like the throwing motion but I was very skeptical. I was like, you know what I mean? We get into that age, and then I knew our offensive line, that that was a key thing. I was like, our offensive line has been – has stepped up tremendously over the years because during that span, we were trying to kind of give away our offensive line for a defense with Andrew Luck, and that didn't work. He ended up getting crushed. And I think prior to like a week or two ago, Phillip Rivers had only been really hit seven times. That's pretty crazy when you when you think about how much Andrew Luck was hit, which really – deteriorate his career just getting hit 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 so I do like Philip Rivers I mean especially as the veteran leadership sometimes I just feel like his passing decisions can make him like can make an effect like a couple drives he'll be going down he'll be going down everything smooth and then sometimes it's just like where are you throwing at so I really feel like honestly he is the key to how far we go but I feel like as long as we can just keep moving the ball the run game is moving. I feel like there's no reason that we can't beat anybody because our defense is solid. There's not a thing. I don't. I trust our defense to the fullest, but the offense, sometimes his playmaking decisions scare me. Was there a point in the season you felt that the Colts were definitely going to be a lock for the playoffs? No. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe, about a, maybe about a week, maybe about like a week or two. I mean, because having the Titans right there, having um, – you got the Ravens, you got the Browns, even the Dolphins around this year. So, you know, I mean, it's it's a lot of, a lot of teams around. I mean, I know that for the Colts, there really is no room for error this year. I mean, this year has been, competitively, it's been pretty good all around. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like we just got to keep putting our foot on people's necks because we can't slow down going to playoffs because a lot of teams are coming and everyone looks a lot of a lot of teams look good and a lot of people teams are just getting their stride right now. And I'm just glad to see that we have maintained consistency over the year. Was there a point you were worried that they were going to miss the playoffs? I was worried, honestly, in the beginning of the season because after the year before, after having Andrew Luck, where he basically went 10-0 to come back, get the comeback player of the year, then we go to Jacoby and he gets hurt and then start losing a couple games and then everything just kind of falls downhill. So me personally, I just really was curious to see one, how our defense will hold up this year, which they held a real good. And two, the offense. I just was really nervous about our quarterback. And, that, I mean, that was a big thing for me because we have history some years of just going for a lot more older quarterbacks, Curtis Painter, Kerry Collins. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just glad that Phillip Rivers is having a great year. And um, I just really feel like as long as that line goes, we'll be good. But it's tough. You know, it's, it's hard to, to have an actual defense. I'm not used to it. It's so hard to explain with him. It's a love-hate. Like, I trust him, but to a certain extent. <laughs> so Imagine what the San Diego fans felt all those years. I know. I knew that the throwing motion was kind of in, but, like, now that he's on the team, like, it's so much more noticeable. It, it's scary because sometimes you're like, are the passes even going to go with that? But he still looks he has some pop on the ball. Sometimes the passes look a little – little flat, but, you know, for the most part, I mean, especially for his age, I mean, I can't complain with, with his play this year, honestly. What team do you feel like you match up well with in the AFC playoffs? I feel like if our offense is moving and the run is moving, I feel like we are a nightmare for the Titans. But I don't know because Derrick Henry, that's always a problem. But I just feel like we definitely have the team to beat the Titans. Kansas City, I'm not sure. As a Colts fan, I want to say, but I just feel like they might just have too many weapons. And they're so – their play call and the way they run it, like, it's really hard to guard. And I just don't feel like our offense would be enough to beat Kansas City's offense. But, yeah, I definitely think if we were to see Tennessee again, despite going one and one with them, I definitely feel like we would be able to outplay them. And that's the tiebreaker, of course. You know, if it's if yep. you split it one, somebody's got to win that other one. There is no tie. It may take a few overtimes. But now, that yeah. being said, who's the team that you don't want to see in the AFC playoffs? I know you mentioned Kansas City. Is it is it them? Is it Pittsburgh? Is it Miami? Is it Baltimore who could possibly get in? I mean, there's still a lot of things. Or could it be Buffalo? You never know. Yeah, I was about to say um, Buffalo for a while. When they were just kind of winning, I was like, yeah, they're looking good again, but now, like, they definitely are catching people's attention. I feel like the Browns are a team that, like, if people sleep on and they make the playoffs, that offense, with especially with that offense, the defense is solid. There is no reason that, especially if Baker Mayfield is playing decent, there's no reason they can't keep up with anybody. And that's the thing, the high offense teams, because if our offense is struggling and our defense is constantly on the field, that's when it becomes a problem. So dealing with those high offense, those high, I mean, everyone has a high offense, but I definitely feel like when you're going with Baltimore, um, the Browns, Kansas City, they have more so a better overall offense. And I feel like Indianapolis does. So 
Pittsburgh, I feel like we could beat Pittsburgh. I definitely feel like we could beat Pittsburgh because I, I feel like we could we could get through their line. I definitely, and I, and I know that our offensive line would be able to hold their own. But, yeah, Baltimore, that's always a tough game for Indianapolis no matter what. Pittsburgh, I'm not too worried about this year. But, yes, Kansas City and Cleveland, just because how I had personally overlooked Cleveland so so much this year. I was honestly expecting the, the kind of – fall off but I mean they have definitely proven me wrong so I definitely think between the Cleveland Browns and the Ravens those will probably be our two toughest challenges when Frank Reich was named the head coach of the Colts I know he was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles and Josh McDaniels took the job and then turned away what was your initial impression of Reich and how has that changed if any over the past couple of years he's been in, in, in Indianapolis I'm very impressed with, especially with our offense, like I said, because the key was, what are we going to do now that Andrew Luck is gone? And, I mean, even though Andrew Luck was gone throughout the years and we got Jacoby still found ways to make the offense work. And that's just how it's been consistently over years. We've been through so many quarterbacks since Peyton Manning has left, but yet we still keep finding a way for the offense they just keep moving, and I'm so I'm, I'm very impressed with strength, right? I mean, I love everything he's doing. I'm just not sure how next year. I mean, if Philip Rivers were the like, what's Philip Rivers going to do? But I mean, I feel like his play calling has been perfect to his personnel. I mean, I feel like we've done all the right things we could do. A couple games we lost, we were nonchalant. The defense might have slack, but offensively, I mean, I feel like for the most part, he is. He's done good, and now he's a head coach, and I definitely feel like for him being head coach, you you can't really ask for much. Going quarterback to quarterback, you know what I mean? Constantly getting new line and defenses is proven, and, I mean, we're still finding ways to win. So, I mean, I am very impressed, even though there are a lot of Colts fans who are very, like, picky. Like, we just always feel like there's something that's not getting done right. So, But I'm like, this man – you know, what I mean, he's taking what he gets as he goes, and he's still working. I'm so we have a lot of guys who really you wouldn't even have really heard of, but they're just making a good act, making a great impact. Everyone's doing the role, so man, I'm extremely excited to, that that he's head coaching. And it's funny, probably a lot of people your age probably don't even remember him as a player. He was a quarterback. This guy was known for his comebacks as a quarterback. He was the quarterback for Buffalo. When they were down mm-hmm. like four touchdowns against the Houston Oilers, came back and brought them back. Jim Kelly was injured. He came back and brought them back. And when he was a quarterback at, at University of Maryland, he brought them back. I think I'm trying to think who it was that they played. It was a big game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like Miami or was it Boston College. Somebody out there who remembers or who knows about that game will probably tell me. He he led a big comeback there when Boomer Siason was hurt. So I mean, he has a unique resume. He's been a quarterback. He's played in the NFL. He was the initial starting quarterback for the Panthers their first year. So mm-hmm. I mean, he's been around. I, mean, and- I thought those, those were the best head coaches. You mean, you got the guys who have played and they've experienced themselves. So, I mean, of course, once, I mean, I feel like with head coaches, unless you're like really like elite, you gain a whole lot more respect when you're a player coach because you can literally coach and then you can tell them like I have been through this we you know the adversity all that so that's another thing I love the fact that he's the player coach because especially I feel like with this generation 
sometimes the respect isn't really given as much. So I definitely feel like with his resume, you got like players respected a lot more. And now we come to the prediction for the Super Bowl. Who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? And what will be the final score? As much as I would love to pick my Indianapolis Colts, I'm, I'm rooting to win. I cannot pick them. I really think that Kansas City is, is going for a repeat. Sad to say. And I really like Green Bay. I know last year I, I had Green Bay get into the Super Bowl and they were short, but I really like Green Bay. Like I said, again, another year where they're not really talking about Aaron Rodgers having an MVP season again. With the Green Bay, they never get acknowledged as much as some of the other teams. So I got Kansas City and Green Bay, and I have um, Green Bay losing 24 to uh, 14. Ooh, 24 to 14. So it won't come down to a field goal. And you think it's going to be fairly low scoring in a game like that? I think the first half will be fairly low scoring, but then I think that second half will pick up. But um, I definitely think that Kansas City will outplay yeah, I think uh, it might be another low-scoring Super Bowl. I know a few people think it's going to be a shootout. Pretty much everyone I've interviewed so far has said Kansas City coming out of the AFC and a few different other choices for the NFC. NFC is sort of wavering, but we'll see who really is the dominant factor out of that. That's really saying a lot. Nobody gives anybody else in the AFC a chance except for Kansas City. They just think Kansas City is going to run it again, but you never know. It's just so hard, man. You know, it's just so hard. You look at those guys, this is really just hard to say. Uh, can my team, does my team have the full capability? It's like, I love our defense. But I just know, I think when you start facing guys like that, that are elite like that, your defense can only do so much. So that's when you have to depend on the the offense. And I just don't know if our offense has enough. It says Bills versus Saints. Where can people find you? Um, yes, man. I, I mean, I do social media. Um, do Chaudry. I'm on Instagram, Chaudry2015. I'm also on Facebook. Haven't really been on Twitter lately, but um, – I might have to start getting back into it, but yeah, those are my two social medias at the time. Yeah, so Chaudry underscore 2015 for Instagram, and then you just looking up to Charlie Johnson on Facebook. Lifelong Cleveland Browns fan and a Cleveland native, Gene Gobblinger. I know we had talked about the last time you were on the podcast that I wanted to have you back when the Browns were making the playoffs. And I said in a truthfully but joking manner, please don't let it be five years from now. <laughs> But I'm glad yeah, to have you here. I'm here to prove you wrong. <laughs> I'm glad that the Browns are proving me wrong and proving everybody wrong. How are you doing today, Gene? I'm doing wonderful. I'm really excited to be here again. I'm excited about my brownies. Yeah, and, and you know, this has been some season. It has been really such a, uh, I wouldn't say roller coaster for them because it's been pretty fairly positive. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything to really feel bad about right now or or worry about, you know, any shoe dropping. No, I think we're going to finish out strong. We have the Jets coming up. And like I told you earlier, I'm hoping my Christmas wish is to end the year beating my husband's team, the Steelers. So I'm positive. I'm hopeful. Uh, we look good all around. We got some um, great great members on the team. We got Chubb and Hunt and they're, they're running and they're, they're making uh, big plays and, and Baker's got 
lots of targets. So super exciting to watch. I feel like kid again back in Cleveland when I used to watch the Browns and the cardiac kids and, and there was so much going on and everybody was excited to watch and all the players were exciting to see. And, and that's how that's the same feeling we have again. But uh, just like the cardiac kids, we know that the game isn't over until that very last second. You saw that with the Ravens game. Every second counts. Yeah, and that's definitely true because uh, in, in any sport, it, things can happen. You just got to make sure there's triple zeros, the red light goes off, what the final gun is shot, and anything to make sure that, that your team has fully come out of the victory. As a Browns fan, I've, I've seen plenty of games or teams when their teams are losing and they, they leave the stands and they're going home. I'm like, where are you going? It's not over. There's more left to play because I know – what could really happen at the end? And, and those things happen just like with the Ravens game. Oh yeah. And and that's definitely true. Uh, one of the first things I wanted to ask you, what drew you to the Browns and, and how long you've been a fan of the Browns? Oh, I've been a fan forever. So I've been born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and we love sports. Um, we're a sports town. So I grew up with the three F's, Earl. So every Sunday it was faith. So we would go to church. It was family. We would surround ourselves around the TV and it was football. And we were huge Browns fans. So I just grew up on it. It was something that I was born into. And so as soon as I could say go, I finished that with Browns. That is so awesome because teams are always passed down family to family, generation to generation. And, you know, you may have the rare exception of, of one kid who may be a fan of something else. But right. I, and I've heard so many different stories of that. Like one of my guests, my nephew, his dad's a Ravens fan. He's a Colts fan. <laughs> well, that's my family because I am a Browns fan and my son is a Steelers fan. But, you know. Everybody has their weaknesses or their faults, right? <laughs> oh, so true. What is your biggest, greatest, favorite Browns memory? Oh, my gosh. There are so many because, like I said, I grew up with football and watching the Browns. And, and it just it's the feeling that you get of having that, you know, with family. And, and, and like I said, that's my childhood memories. So we still, even though I'm in Maryland and they're in Ohio, we will either FaceTime or call each other or we'll be texting throughout the whole game. So we continue to keep that family tradition alive. Um, and so that's another big part of it. So there's so many different memories. Um, anytime we beat the Steelers, that's a great memory. Um, Bernie Kosar going through all the different coaches, all the pain and disappointment. Those are always big memories. But if I want to say recent this season when we played the Titans and the people's Jones touchdown um, it kind of solidified that which I think is another question is that I thought wow you know we're a really great team we could beat you know one of the best teams and um, now we could shut up all the haters <laughs> expectations going into the season it's a little unusual season to say the least uh, 2020 has been an unusual year overall but Going in, no training camp, new head coach. What were the expectations? Well, this is true because I am a Browns fan. So my expectations are what they are every year, very high. So I'm like Charlie Brown with Lucy and the football. And so I'm always expecting great things. It just has turned out that finally 
Lucy didn't take the ball away from us. So it's very exciting. So expectations as a Browns fan, every year we go into it. Every year we get the draft. It's painful because we know they're going to pick another quarterback. Um, people make jokes about it. So every year we're expecting great things. But this year, when I had talked to you the last time, I knew, I saw we had the talent there. We really do. And we had this great team. And with the new coach coming in, I knew if we could just execute this, then we could be a great team. And that's what I was telling you last time is that we have the talent. We just need to learn how to manage it. And so we put all those pieces together finally. So it's super exciting to finally see it come to fruition. Especially the four coaches in the past three years, Hugh Jackson, uh, Greg Williams finishing out of the interim and when they were on that hot right. streak, then Freddie Kitchen, that didn't didn't last too long. And now Kevin Stefanski, that is very huge. I know the consistency with coaching, that was the one thing, but now it seems like everything is on the right path. Was there a particular point that you knew that the Browns were, were going to be playoff bound this season? Well, like I said, we needed that. Um, we've been looking for that kind of franchise quarterback, which people will argue with you saying, ah, Baker's not really it. Um, but I saw that potential in him. So I knew that we had the makings of a great team. But as far as this season, every time that they played, they got better every game and they were playing a better game and they were becoming more and more creative with their play and the play calling. Even the games that we lost, they still played phenomenally. So I saw a different team. And with Baker, like I said, I know people will challenge you whether he's a franchise quarterback or not. Um, but he has that kind of leadership with them. And he has that great kind of you can see that the, the, he works well with his team and they really like him. And they're having fun even with him doing his interviews and they're, he's doing all that you know, with the social media kind of commentary and inserting, I guess, I don't know if you've seen this, but with his interviews, he's been putting in different song lyrics. And that was something that like his teammates had come up with him. They challenged him to do during these interviews. So they're having fun together. So it's fun. It's fun all around. It seems fun for them and it's fun for us to watch. Was there a moment during the season that you were concerned that, Oh, here we go again, especially. Was there a slide that you were really concerned? Um, no, because I thought that like we should have the games that we lost, we lost them for ourselves. So I thought we could have done better or we could have managed better. Um, so we beat ourselves in those games that I saw the potential that in those games that we lost, we should not have lost. I'll give away the first game. We should have definitely lost that, but it was rusty. So you're like, it's the beginning of the season. You're playing the Ravens. That was an expected loss. So once the, the season went on, I really didn't think that, that they looked bad. I know it was very disappointing after the Ravens game, but they still played phenomenally. So um, I don't think there was one game where I was ever really worried. Looking at the AFC playoff field, who do you feel the Browns match up the best with in the AFC playoff race? The best game of this year that we played was against the Ravens. That was the game of the year. I mean, everybody would, uh, I don't know who would disagree with that. They both played phenomenally. It was very exciting um, to watch. I'm sure it was exciting for them to play in. I'm looking forward to like the end. And so 
you know, wishful thinking. I want us to be the winner. I want us to win it all, uh, go to the Super Bowl. And I'm actually hoping that we play the Packers at the end in the Super Bowl. And the reason being that is because, you know, I teach at Salisbury University and I am friends with the lacrosse coach, um, Coach Berkman, and he likes to send me messages after games that I've lost and tell me that I need to become a Packers fan because they're a team that doesn't lose. So I would love to go to the Super Bowl and beat him. And then I could send him a text message that he needs to become a Browns fan because his team just lost. So in all reality, I don't know what'll happen if we are not in it. Um, I would really like to see the bills go in from the AFC because they remind me of the Browns, all the struggles that they've had and they've worked hard and they're not like that big name team. So, um, you know, the given of, of the of the NFC, as most people would say, Chiefs. Um, but again, I like to see those teams that have struggled and then have that background story. So that's where I'm going at. I'm hoping it's me. I'm hoping you have me back again and I can say Cleveland Browns won the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and that definitely and that definitely is a possibility. I always see it with playoffs. Everything's a crapshoot. You never know what's gonna happen. Everybody thought, and I go back to the Bengals Steelers series where Carson Palmer gets hurt. Everybody was thinking that the Bengals were going to to beat the Steelers, and then everything changed on a dime. You never know. Not wishing anybody ill, but you never know what kind of strange things will occur in the playoffs, and 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 those things tend to happen. Uh, you're uh, one thing I want to ask you: Who's the team as a Browns fan that you don't want to see in the AFC portion of the playoffs? Oh, of course, I don't want the you know, the Ravens in there, that's my number one team. I wouldn't, um, I have a lot of Ravens fans that are friends of mine, but you know, I'm bitter right now. We just lost a big game to them. So I don't want to see them make it into the playoffs. I actually don't even want to see them get there. So, um, but we'll see what happens. What team scares you in the AFC? Um, well, just from the past history, I would say, you know, the Steelers have always found a way of pulling it out, even when they look like, you know, they're losing, even when, you know, he, Ben Roethlisberger's thrown like two interceptions in a quarter. They have a way of always coming back. I feel like there's some luck that they have to them, but they're a team that's to be um, – Still, still looked at. And, and again, like I said, I think the Bills are really good this year. They have been terrible in the years past. So those are, are two big teams that I think are, are going to be big contenders still in the AFC. Kevin Stefanski stepping in, being the head coach. I, I know everybody was excited about Freddie Kitchens last year because, oh, he was the Baker whisperer. He he got the most out of him, and then that did not work well because Freddie Kitchens was not a head coach. He was an offensive coordinator and, and nothing more, which, you know, some people, they have to know their limits, but, you know, if somebody's going to offer you a job, you take it. But it looks like Stefanski has really gotten everything going. What were your thoughts when they made the hire of Stefanski and then – Really, how have you seen that blossom? You know what? Actually, at first I was a little nervous because I'm like, what, why do we keep changing it? When we see something that's like working, at least somewhat, 
um, there's always a change. It's either, you know, like the quarterback hasn't really gone all the way to, for example, like the playoffs last year, but he did well. So there's potential. But if you can't grow on that potential, then you'll never reach it. So it's always there's so much change within the Browns, whether it is quarterbacks or whether it's coaching. And that disrupts that kind of flow to make sure that they're getting to where they need to go. So I was a little kind of like, well, we did decent. Why would you want to change it? Um, but now that I see him this year and how well he's done, oh, I'm, I'm more than thrilled that they actually did make that change. So, again, it's just the frustration of being a Browns fan, never having that stability. But we have the pieces in place finally, and I think that it's a good thing. And I think that they're, if they continue to grow that way, um, we will continue to win games and hopefully make the playoffs. And maybe we'll win more than one Super Bowl. I mean, there are a lot of uh, Browns championships. I know it's the pre-Super Bowl era, but those still should count towards something because you right. know, a couple of AA, I think a couple of AAFC titles, a couple of NFL championships. I mean, they it's not like they don't have a title. It's just, you know, everybody decides pre-Super Bowl era, that stuff right. doesn't count. I and mean, I know Packers fans will tell you they do count. But <laughs> Well, you know, Earl, that they actually put Stefanski's name in the running for Coach of the Year. So... I mean, he's he's done phenomenal things. So people are taking notice. They're finally taking notice of the Browns. Um, we still have the haters out there, you know, but our record stands for itself. And so do the statistics um, of our players. And so I'm just going to hopefully keep cheering for the Browns and they'll keep doing well. And, um, you know, you can never listen to the haters. <laughs> and now we go into our predictions for the Super Bowl in Tampa who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? What will the final score be? Okay, again, like I said, um, optimistically, it's me. It's the Browns. So, and then if it is the Browns, we'll have to come back and I'll have to, yay for me, the Browns made it. And I'm hoping that we do play the Packers and that we actually win and the score will be 27 to 21. And this isn't the first time that I've made a prediction that it's come true. So I don't know. I'm on a roll, Earl. Yeah, I mean, hey, you, like I said, uh, as we wrap this up, I really appreciate this. want to know if you wanted to give any shout outs and what are ways people can reach out to you via social media or, or what so. Um, shout out to all my Cleveland family. Hello, Simon family. I hope that you're watching and I wanted to say go Browns and shout out to my husband. Who's a big Steelers fan. I'm sorry about your last three games. Um, hopefully at the end of the season, we'll make it four games that you've lost. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram and um, Snapchat. So that you have that information. I guess we can put that in your in the link. The Baltimore Ravens right now, a perennial team in the AFC North. They are right now in the thick of the race in the AFC and with me to discuss the Ravens this season and what the expectations are is, as I say, the honorable delegate Carl Anderton Jr., longtime Baltimore Ravens fan. 
I wanted to have you on here. I know that when it came to the next time the Ravens are going to be in the playoff hunt, I wanted to have you on as the person to do that. And I really appreciate you being on here with me to talk about the Ravens. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first off, uh, thanks for the invite. I really appreciate the the intro music. It had a mix of, you know, Austin Powers and uh, that typical 70s, 80s game show. Kind of liked it. Had me, had me doing a little dancing behind the scenes there. So... Uh, it's just really you can't not hear that jingle that you have and not be excited. Uh, it's just kind of if you're not getting the happy vibes from listening to that, then um, I ain't got much for you. But uh, but no, it's cool. Uh, you know, we're, I'm excited. You know, here we are heading into the final stretch of the season, the last two games. And, and we're looking at a playoff spot, you know, straight ahead. So, I mean, that, that's all you want. You know, it's 20 years after our first Super Bowl win in Super Bowl 35, which was in Tampa. Super Bowl 55 is in Tampa. So, you know, I, I'm calling it, you know, history repeats itself. Uh, unfortunately, the Giants won't be there. Uh, I'm hoping not or something has <laughs> yeah. gone disastrously yeah. wrong. Um, the first thing I want to ask. Sure. What led you to become a Baltimore Ravens fan? How long have you been a fan of the team? As a little kid, I remember the one of my first, you know, sports memories is the Baltimore Colts leaving. I apparently used to watch Colts games with my uncles. I, I I have a vague memory of that, but but not a true memory of the game. I just remember, you know, him yelling at the TV on Sundays, and uh, you know, so we we were without a team, you know, in the wilderness, and so you know, you watched what came on TV here. You know, you had two games on CBS and 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 NBC and then Fox and NBC. And so, you know, you watched Washington or whoever the AFC game was. And, uh, you know, and then of course in the uh, mid nineties, the, the CFL, the Canadian football league expanded down to the United States expansion. They put a team in Baltimore, Baltimore stallions, the only American team to win the gray cup, uh, in 1995. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I had that for two seasons. And then of course, during the 95 season, there was talk of the Browns, Moving that, of course, was after rumors of the Buccaneers, the Saints, uh, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, two failed expansion bids. I still cannot believe to this day we lost out to Jacksonville for an expansion team. But that's a good thing because then we would be known as the Baltimore Bombers, and that's really not a cool name at all. So when they announced that Art Modell was taking his franchise, leaving the Browns behind, coming to Baltimore, uh, the, na- the day I became a Ravens fan was uh, February 9th. 1996, that's the day they announced, you know, the move was official. Of course, we were the team with no name, much like Washington is this year. Uh, And then in March, you know, they made the announcement of uh, the team being called the Baltimore Ravens. So I've been there from day one. I have watched every game either live or on television or on my cell phone when I'm door knocking. Uh, You know, uh, we actually scheduled an event around the game several times. I've quit a job. Uh, at Sam's Club, 1997, to watch a Ravens game. I don't know. I just felt like when the team was coming, it felt like something that belonged, you know, to us because we were without for so long. Uh, you know, I just went all in, and, and I haven't looked back from Stony Case, you know, to Scott Mitchell, all the way up to Lamar, and and where we are today. I mean, I've just I've been there from day one, even through Kyle Bowler. Yes. <laughs> what is your most memorable Ravens moment? I'd have to be the very first game in 1996, you know, uh, uh, beating the then uh, Oakland, Vegas, whatever they're called this year, Raiders. You know, uh, that year, of course, we went four and 12. 
Um, you know, but they, the, my sub favorite moment is probably beating the Rams in 1996 in overtime in Memorial stadium, seeing Michael Jackson make the catch in the end zone. That picture is actually from the Ravens uh, suites uh, when they were changing pictures out. It's from that game, that Rams game in 96, you know, and uh, Super Bowl 35. You know, the, I still get goosebumps thinking about Brandon Stokely making that catch from Trent Dilfer, uh, dragging Jason Seahorn into the end zone. But, uh, you know, so I have, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of good memories of this team every year just adds to it. You know, my top five went to my top 10 to my top 15. Now we're looking at the top 20 games. Uh, you know, favorite games, you know, it's just uh, uh, when you root for a good team like this, you know, it gives you plenty of opportunities to have good memories. Going into the season, I know everything's been a little odd, a little wonky. Then the talk of adding a team in each conference for the playoffs and giving the number one seed a bye. What were expectations going into the season? I know there was probably a little bit of, I guess, disbelief or irritation about the the how they played in the playoffs last year but what were you thinking going into this season yeah it was growing pains you know uh 2018 we had the loss to the la chargers uh after beating them handily in the regular season two weeks prior um or three weeks prior and then uh you know last year the debacle with tennessee you know i was just hopeful that you know uh, not being superstitious, but regularly habitual that, uh, you know, the 20th anniversary of Super Bowl 35 is this year. Super Bowl 55 is in Tampa, just like Super Bowl 35 was. And, and I just fully expect us to be there. That's uh, that's my expectation is is that the journey's not over and uh, we're going to find our way into the playoffs. And then we're going to go ahead and get on the roll and uh, have a nice party in Baltimore the second first second Tuesday in February uh you know I'm I still am as confident in, the, in this team as I was in September uh you know I know there's some cracks you know in the secondary there's some cracks in the defensive line and things haven't gelled quite like we had hoped on on the defensive side of the ball I think the offensive line has overachieved which is good considering what was expected at the midway point you know losing Ronnie's you know losing Ronnie and and trying to just piecemeal everything together the running game is back on point Lamar is just as beautiful as ever and and so you know I, I believe that uh that we'll, we'll get things rolling we have been rolling and we'll continue to do so for these last two games to get us on a five game winning streak heading into the playoffs and and we'll rattle off four more wins and bring it home what moment made you think, okay, the Ravens are getting the playoffs, no doubt about it, no question? Uh, it was the Cleveland game. Uh, Lamar running out of the uh, the locker room there. You know, you can call it he's dehydration, constipation, whatever it may be. Um, you know, him coming out, you know, grabbing the helmet, you know, hugging Coach Harbaugh, running out to the field. You know, I'm lo- I'm thinking like everybody else, okay, I see a seam. He's going to run for the first down. Instead, he, he you know, he throws the ball. You know, and looking at the plays that's happening and you see, you know, Hollywood running towards it, you're like, okay, is, is he, first off, you know, he's had three drops that night. Is he going to hold on to it? What's he going to do here? What's in his way? And, uh, you know, it worked out perfectly. And so I think just like uh, as in 2000, you know, with uh, Trent Dilfer throwing the pick six against Jacksonville in the regular season and then coming back and hitting Patrick Johnson in the game, game-winning touchdown in the end zone, to me, that was kind of a turning point in that season in 2012. 
It was fourth and 29. Hey, diddle, diddle, Ray race up the middle. And then I think that this play right here will, uh, will be our turning point. I think we just witnessed it. Was there a moment where you were worried that the Ravens might not be making the playoffs? Briefly, you know, we had that slide there in the middle dealing with COVID and all that, you know, you know, where we had lost to New England in the rain. And there was a couple of different debacles with Pittsburgh. And I'm like, okay, maybe things aren't going to, you know, come together like we had hoped, you know, and, and I was prepared to blame it on COVID. That was going to be my immediate crutch, but it hasn't turned out that way. You know, champions do what they do and they, and they turn it around and, you know, Mar is a true general. He's a leader. Uh, the clubhouse on and off the field, and, and you're seeing it. And he's pulled this team together and put them back on his shoulders, and, and we're riding them. We're riding all the way. Looking at the AAFC playoff field, who's the team that you feel the Ravens match up the best with? I think we match up with uh, the majority of the teams in the field. You know, I'm, I'm not scared of Pittsburgh. I, I'm a little worried of Kansas City just because it's that that mental block, you know, of, of Patty Mahomes and, and Lamar. You know, can he get over that hump as well? You know, so I, I feel like we can match up with with everybody except, you know, Tennessee and Kansas City are still ones. I just think it's just, you know, a little bit of a mental thing there. But but the rest of the teams I'm not worried about at all. Who's the team that, that Ravens fans might be worried about facing in the playoffs? I think it's that mental hump, you know, with Tennessee and, and Kansas City. Uh, I would actually put Tennessee over top of Kansas City. It's hard to tell. Back, I go back and forth on those two. You know, it depends on – you know, on the secondary, if the secondary comes together and gels, you know, I, I'm not worried about Kansas City at all because they mainly throw the ball. That's our weakness against them, you know, stopping the run against Tennessee. So, you know, either of those teams. But I want to play those teams because I want to get over that hump, just like we did in 2012 where we had to beat Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. So, you know, I, I want them both. You know, I, I want, you know, I enjoy the road less traveled. And so, you know, I want to uh, I want to have that opportunity to, to play both those teams. In the history of the Ravens franchise, it's always the first thing you think about is defense. And now with things sort of changing and Lamar being the focal point and the offense being the focal point, how stark of a contrast is that? Oh, it's a huge contrast. I mean, you know, Ravens fans will tell you, we went from if we score 17 points, we did something. You know, if we scored 13 points, we did something. You know, I mean, back in, you know, 2000, you know, with all with four shutouts in that season and, and the, the record-setting defense that was 10.2 points per game average, you know, all we, if we scored 13 points, we won. Uh, you know, I mean, going from the anemic offenses where, you know, if you were lucky if your quarterback threw more touchdowns and interceptions in a given year. Like I said, I mean, the list goes on and on from, you know, Eric Zier, Testaverde, we had a very good – offensive season in 96 but then they went down from there with you know Testaverde and uh you know Jim Harbaugh and you know Stoney Case and Scott Mitchell and Tony Banks and Trent Dilfer and you know Anthony Blake um Randall Cunningham Elvis Gerback what a ridiculous signing that was uh you know uh Anthony Wright uh I mean the list goes on and on you know uh Kyle Bowler uh, Troy Smith you know and you know Flacco of course he had his moments with us uh, you know uh, you know, I, I love him because he won a Super Bowl, just like Trent Dilfer, you know, but but this offense is completely different than what we're used to. I still every week I'm like, how are we scoring 30 points? Even, you know, this, you know, two years into this, you know, revolution offensively. But uh, but the defense is not what's to the standard. It's not at all. And so I'm hopeful that through maturity, a lot of the players are very young. You know, they'll grow into the role 
and we'll get that defensive leadership that we've been lacking since, you know, Terrell Suggs left, uh, who was the last piece, you know, from the, the Ray Lewis tree. So, you know, I'm hopeful that a lot of our younger guys will step up and fill that void, and I'm confident they will. Interesting thought I, I had, especially thinking about this, that right before Lamar was drafted, Tyrod Taylor was the backup for Flacco. I was wondering, do you think Tyrod Taylor could have run this offense as well as Lamar does? No, I don't think so at all. I think Tyrod has had a, a good NFL career, but if you look at it, he has always been the predecessor to something bigger along the way. You know, I mean, you have Cleveland, you know, with Baker Mayfield, then you, you know, same thing in Buffalo, now in, you know, San Diego or whatever they're called, the LA Chargers. He, he's always been supplanted by a more franchise known quarterback. And I think that that would have been the same thing here. Could he have ran the offense better than Flacco if we had the same scheme? Of course, but not to the effect that uh, that Lamar's doing. I mean, this this offense has been built around him. And yes, is it your typical, you know, Greg Roman offense? Yes, but it has a few wrinkles in it that he didn't have in 2012 with Colin Kaepernick before him. So there are some differences that are definitely specific to Lamar that I think only a person with his skill set could master. Going into the predictions for the Super Bowl, who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? And what will the final score be in Tampa? I have us coming out of the AFC, of course, you know, Baltimore. Uh, I mean, there's no way I'm going against, you know, the 20th anniversary. I've been saying for 25 seasons now, the Ravens are winning the Super Bowl. I've been right twice. I can do it again. The NFC, that's tough. I mean, you, you can make a case for anybody, really. But I, I think I'm going to go with Green Bay. We'll take on Green Bay, and, and I think we'll uh, we'll give uh, Aaron Rodgers a very, very long journey home from Tampa. And before we wrap this all up, uh, sure. any social media, any shout-outs to anyone, any uh, waterways people can reach out to you on social media as well, especially talk about this once this episode comes out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, much love to my Ravens fans. I mean, you know, hey, hey, man, Ravens flock. That's what we do, man. My socials, everything's under my name, Carl Anderton Jr., one word, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. I'm ready. Let's go. You know, it's Festivus, man. Ravens fans know what Festivus is. It's Festivus, man. Festivus and, and Festivus away, Maximus. The Festivus Maximus. <laughs> One of the teams that a lot of people in the AFC are worried about, in addition to Kansas City, is a team that made some waves in the playoffs last year, and a lot of people aren't forgetting that. In fact, they're making some waves now. The Tennessee Titans and the AFC South, right now they are leading the division. I know they have the tiebreaker advantage over the Colts. And one of the fans I know that is a a big Titans fan, Jason Bruce. How are you doing today, Jason? Pretty good, Earl. How are you? I am doing great. I tell you, it's it's interesting looking at this whole playoffs and seeing how everything's really starting to uh, figure itself out. And I know this year, of course, the expansion to another team in each conference going from 12 overall to 14 overall. I feel like now that's going to make things a little more interesting, especially that everybody wants to get that first round by so they don't have to play that wild card weekend. And now that it feels like the first seed means a lot more than than it would in the past because number one and two got the bye but now it's only number one yeah it's it's definitely interesting it kind of wrenched into our fantasy football setup this year 
where we uh, we actually had a thing for the first pick that depended on how many teams were in the playoffs. And with the two extra teams now, we had to kill that. But I I think it's going to be – you can't – I don't know how much home field is going to be worth this year with no people. Yeah, that's going to play a huge advantage. I mean, every game could be pretty much like a gigantic scrimmage when it comes to yeah. crowd size. And some areas might be a little more lenient in letting people in. And some, ones, some might just say, we're not taking this risk. And that could really impact – a game. I just think about just the Washington Pittsburgh game. You think if if Heinz Field was full of fans, maybe that game doesn't turn out the way it did. Yeah, the momentum matters. It really, really does. So, Jason, for everybody who doesn't know how you became a fan of the Tennessee Titans, let everybody know what led you to become a fan of the team. Well, that's where I'm from. I grew up out in West Tennessee, and then uh, lived and got my uh, coaching career started in Middle Tennessee. And just graduating high school when they moved the Oilers. And I kind of, I, I paid attention, you know, but I had all, I had decided from that point that I wasn't going all in until it was a new name, new stadium, until it was fully Tennessee's team. And so that 99 season, that was when they, when we changed everything over and the Titans came into existence and I've, I've been there ever since. And it's interesting. I just thought about that with the name change and the uniform change. It's weird. Sometimes teams get a little bit of a bump once they change their uniforms. And you see it a lot in sports, no matter who it is. All of a sudden, a team starts playing a lot better. And it's like a a whole new attitude. Well, it's the old Deion Sanders thing. Look good, feel good. Feel good, play good. Yeah, I mean, and that's definitely true. Going into your memories, what would you say is the all-time greatest Tennessee Titans moment? And I, I think I have an idea. It's still the miracle. It's always going to be the Music City miracle until until somebody raises a trophy. And you got that on that same season, you've got the, the highest and the lowest, the one yard short. But it's hard to beat last year – Derrick Henry with the jump pass. That's gotten to be pretty big in the lore. Uh, it's funny. I think about uh, uh, stuff that's going on Facebook where the, you start seeing the, have you been affected by a Derrick Henry stiff arm? If so, you are maybe entitled to compensation. I think now Derrick Henry's uh, presence is really being felt. And who knew that, you know, that one breakout moment in the playoffs last year really has set his reputation. Well, it's just, it's one of those things. If you ever get a chance, go back and look at his high school stats. He was putting up something like 300 yards a game, something ridiculous. He he couldn't be touched. And so he's been this force his entire career. He did it at Alabama. It's, I, I've still, I've maintained, there's a, a lot of people from back home that are still a little bit, you know, ugh, it's a Bama boy. Because, you know, I, I also bleed orange. And um, I readily have embraced him as the greatest thing to ever come out of Tuscaloosa. <laughs> <laughs> Going into the season, expectations. I know 
you guys took the Chiefs to the brink at one point in the playoffs. What were you thinking heading into the season, especially everything being a little odd, not a full-fledged training camp, no no preseason schedule? What what was on your mind when it came to how the Titans would fare? It was very cautiously optimistic. It was you know, we knew what we had, we knew what we could do. I say we. They they knew what they had, they knew what they could do, but you didn't know was Tannehill a one-year wonder? Was that just one – was that a dead cat bounce and he's going to go back to what he was in Miami? You didn't know how much you're going to get out of Derek. Nobody really expected him to be this consistently good. He's always been Mr. December where early in the year, you know, you might get an 80-yard game or a 50-yard game and – you don't necessarily get anything out of him, but we haven't had that. I think he's had one bad game. I want to say, I want to say the Bengals actually had the best game against him as far as, as far as shutting him down. But offensively, we knew that it rode on Tannehill and Henry, obviously. And you got to have some receivers that will actually step up and make plays and as erratic as A.J. Brown is, he's done that this year for the most part. And then you didn't know what we had defensively at all. Defensively, we've been pretty horrible. We're winning games like the old greatest show on turf Rams, having to win them, you know, 42 to 36. And it's interesting. I mean, especially when you look at that. I mean, right now, uh, someone mentioned when it comes to playoffs, what you win with in the regular season might be your undoing in the postseason. I know that's something that people will always be concerned about. If you're a high scoring team that might end up either you're going to run up, you know, you're going to run dry offensively or somebody's going to outscore you. And then the same thing can happen with defense sometimes. I mean, it, it all depends. You know, you never know because playoffs are always a crapshoot. But was there a point that you knew, okay, the Titans are going back to the playoffs? I feel like that right now. And I realize that we've still got two to play, and Green Bay's the real deal. So we got to see what happens this weekend. And then we've got Houston. And Houston can play when they want to. Deshaun Watson's still a weapon. But I feel like we're in right now. I felt like that ever since we knocked off Baltimore. Was there a time you were worried that the Titans weren't going to make the playoffs? When we lost to the Bengals, we were sitting at six and three and looking at mostly Baltimore and Indy, and Indy had already beaten us. So at that point, I'm thinking, wow, we may wind up six and five, six and six before this little skid stops. And that would have been pretty disastrous. Who do you feel that the Titans match up the best with uh, in the AFC playoffs? I know that. Plenty of teams who are, a lot of people I've talked to said they're worried about the Titans. I'm salivating for Pittsburgh. I want that game again. And Cleveland as well. The Cleveland game, yeah, we were down 38 to 7 at the half. That second half, we it was 28 to 3. So we absolutely can and should have beaten Cleveland and Pittsburgh. I'm dying for those games. Who's the team you don't want to see in the uh, AFC playoffs? I, I, I know everybody's been worried about the Titans. Who do Titans fans worry about? Oh, Kansas City with Mahomes against our secondary. Our secondary is horrible. 
and it's interesting. This feels weird. A year that no one's saying New England, and and it, it just feels very mm-hmm. odd. I know that there are uncertain expectations. It's funny that even New England gets pressed when they're not in the playoffs, and just the whole the whole talk about Tom Brady going to Tampa that changed a lot of things. I mean, a lot of people in the AFC East were breathing a sigh of relief. No matter, even with Cam Newton there, I mean, Cam Newton is no slouch, but he's not Tom Brady in that situation. But for everybody no longer having to worry about, okay, now we don't have to worry about what Belichick has up its sleeve. Now it's worrying about, okay, Kansas City, or in some cases, how do we stop Derrick Henry? And I know Derrick Henry is, is slowly ascending up the list of the best Titans running backs. I know everybody remembers CJ2K and, of course, Eddie George. Mm-hmm. How far... Can Derrick Henry go, especially in the in the running back ranks of Titans history? As far as he wants, we uh, we went ahead and re-upped him to a new deal, so we got him for about three or four more years, I think, of control. I'm dying to know how his body is holding up because of the way he runs and the pounding. Not just that the, the pounding. I mean, obviously the pounding he administers, but the pounding that he takes. I mean, he's getting 25, 28 carries a game. And it terrifies me because that adds up. And obviously you don't want – that's – I'm not really – he. Yeah, I think he's got – I think he's about 350 short of 2,000 right now. Hmm. And I don't really care if he gets that or not. I want him nice and fresh and happy and – well, not happy, but – angry for the playoffs <laughs> and he's 26 so the the worry is eventually unless he's adrian peterson like that or emmett smith like that eventually tom's gonna catch up with him unless you know unless they start using like they find a lightning to his thunder so that way you you minimize how many carries he takes that's what we've tried to do i can't the our third down back is escaping me right now but um, he he hardly ever gets a third down carry. We go with that scat back on third down. And with his running style, he'll pound it and pound it and pound it and pound it and pound it. And then midway through the third quarter, there's your 50-yarder. There's your 75-yarder. Like the one he broke off against the Ravens in overtime. Mm-hmm. The one thing I think, looking at Ryan Tannehill, as you mentioned before, whether this was a one-year wonder or not, him taking the job from Marcus Mariota and cementing himself as starting quarterback. I know everybody is wondering what they saw in Miami. Was that just either, you know, wrong system or a guy? I mean, he used to be a wide receiver at one point before he became a quarterback. So maybe he's finally gotten to that stage where, okay, now he's, he's comfortable with where he is as a quarterback. And it looks like it's showing. Yeah, he stepped up so far on just general leadership and taking over the huddle and things like that. And he's the perfect the Titan. And yes, McNair could run, but McNair was a pass first guy. Vince Young was not. Mariota was not. We've always needed. If you remember back, I think two thousand eight, I believe the year we went eleven and zero. That was Kerry Collins. People forget about that. That was Kerry Collins as our starting quarterback. We need that, you know, not a game manager, but that style 
of quarterback. I don't mind having a boring quarterback. I love Mahomes. Mahomes is probably my favorite player. It's not a Titan. But I don't know that even he would work in our system the way that Tannehill does. He just fits in like a glove. It was interesting. In a previous uh, discussion I had talking about the Dolphins, we were talking about how Flores is uh, another Belichick disciple. And the worry has always been be wary of Patriots assistants as head coaches. But Mike Vrabel has shown otherwise as as opposed to guys like uh, Bill O'Brien and McDaniels and, and Matt Patricia and things like that. How yeah. has Vrabel stabilized that team? He's had a lot of help. I think he surrounded himself with the right assistants. And the GM, our GM, John Robinson, and him have a, a very good relationship to make sure that we get guys that are going to work, that are going to be right. I say this, and here we've wasted the money on Jadavian Clowney, but they can't all be sevens. Vrabel's doing a very good job of maturing and learning on the job. He will still make a couple of calls a game that – make you want to throw your remote. There's still times that, you know, what are you doing right there? Why? Why make that call? But the player, he he seems to be a very good players coach, and that's becoming more and more important. You can't – it's hard. I mean, look at what Belichick's dealing with now. It obviously wasn't, you know, my system works for absolutely everybody and – that's just going to be the way it is. No, you, you needed some help, Bill. <laughs> and, and that's definitely true. And we go to the predictions for the Super Bowl. Who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have <sighs> coming out of the NFC? And what will the final score be? Uh, you're killing me, man. I um, My heart, I want, of course, I want to say that we're going to do it. But Mahomes is just so much. He's so much to try to stop, especially with a Swiss cheese secondary like we have. So I think Mahomes gets by us in the AFC title game again. I'm not really that sold on Green Bay. I think the NFC is a lot more wide open than anybody thinks. I could see New Orleans getting hot or somebody out in that level, but Breeze is obviously going to have to work a lot better than he did. But if I have to put money on it right now, I would say Kansas City and Green Bay. That seems to be the consensus so far. I know that a lot of people have their feelings that that Kansas City right now is still the team to beat, and, and Green Bay might be the favorite. Like you said, New Orleans might give them a run, but other than that, there doesn't seem like there's a lot more competition regardless of what's going on in the mm-hmm. West because, again, that's still up in the air. Yeah. But uh, before we wrap this up, I wanted to see if you want to give anybody a shout-out and if you have ways people can reach out to you on social media as well. You can find me on Facebook. Just regular Jason Bruce search right there. Nothing nothing more, nothing less. I don't like having a lot of followers. <laughs> I'm there to I'm there to look more than talk, so... We'll we'll stick with that for right now. With me, fan representatives for the AFC North champions, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jackie and Ben Jennings here. 
Uh, thank you guys for being a part of this interview, and I'm I'm so glad to have you guys here. Hi, Errol. It's so nice to see you. Thanks for having us. Oh, no problem. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I know you guys were diehard Steelers fans, so I thought, who better to have on the show representing Steeler fandom? I named my son Ben. <laughs> there you go. That's all there is to it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, that's an iconic name, especially when you think of among uh, Steelers fans and things like that. It's like how people in Baltimore name their son Brooks or grandsons Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, how did you to become diehard Steelers fans? What what led to the attraction to being a Steelers fan? Well, personally, I mean, my mom grew up in Pittsburgh. She's been a fan her whole life. So I was just kind of born into that big fan myself. And she's a big fan. So I thought I might as well go with it. So Yeah, I was born in Pittsburgh, so I didn't have a choice. And when you, you know, grow up in Pittsburgh in the 70s, you live and breathe and eat and sleep Steelers. And then, you know, Ben didn't have a choice either. (laughs) In your memories, what iconic moments stand out as Steelers fans? All right. So I'm going to go way back. So I think, you know, any catch by uh, Lynn Swan in the 70s, any catch by John Stallworth, in the 70s was an iconic moment. Um, the Immaculate Reception, obviously the iconic, iconic Steeler moment. But I think for me, the biggest moment was the Jerome Bettis fumble in 2005 in the AFC playoffs. And then, you know, devastation followed by complete elation and winning that game. It was just, yeah, it was amazing. It still gives me, mm-hmm. I don't know, heartburn and, and chills all at the same time. Uh, personally, for me, um, four years ago, the Christmas Day game, um, Steelers-Ravens playoffs on the line. Quite frankly, the best Christmas present I've probably ever gotten was to go to that game and seeing Antonio Brown stretch the ball across the goal line with under a minute to go. It was probably, probably one of the best in-person football moments I've probably ever experienced. Nice that we could experience it together. Yeah. With my husband and his dad, who's a Ravens fan, so that just made it yeah, you, so much yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going into the season, what were the expectations like? I know missing Roethlisberger for pretty much all of last year, Mason Rudolph coming in and quarterbacking, Mike Tomlin was still able to get them to 8-8, eight and eight, even with the uh, difficulties they had. What were you thinking the expectations were the record was going to be uh, going into this year? I don't think I, I mean, after the Roethlisberger injury and his age, I don't think I had any real expectations. I think we, uh, I thought we were going to be lucky to go 10 and six, maybe. Could you have a different expectation? Um, well, I mean, last year, like you said, going eight and eight without um, future Hall of Fame quarterback is very impressive to do. It really showed how um, our defense really stepped up um, prior years, like three, four years ago. You know, our defense was by far the biggest liability on our team. And so going 8-8 with Big Ben last year gave a lot of hope um, for this year. Of course, super easy strength of schedule considering our positioning last year. We didn't have to play teams like the Chiefs or the Patriots. So still had to, of course, play the Ravens and um, even the Titans and the Bills. And those were close games, but it's really our defense that's been really stepping it up for us. So. Uh, my expectations were definitely higher, and I think 
12 and four where we're at now is probably a good, uh, good area of where we should have been. Was there a point in the season that you felt they were going to make the playoffs? I'm assuming, especially uh, an 11 and 0 uh, start <laughs> would definitely make things very optimistic. But any time earlier on in that streak that you think, okay, this team's really good. It's good enough to not only contend for the AFC North, but to win it as well. Well, certainly. I mean, of course, going 11 and 0, pretty much clinching a playoff berth with that 11th win helps a lot. But even earlier in the year, especially that game against the Eagles, where the emergence of Chase Claypool really happened where he scored four touchdowns. I mean, it really solidified um, like a good opinion on our on our first draft pick. Of course, we didn't have a first round one because of uh, our trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. But yeah, that beating the Titans and the Ravens and I believe back to back weeks was certainly forced a good outlook on the rest of the season beating two pretty elite teams. And I was actually surprised how good Ben looked for being out most of last year. I I really thought he would struggle coming back. Was there a point in the season that you were worried that they weren't going to make the playoffs? I know still, again, going 11-0, and you don't think, okay, we're not going to make the playoffs. But I guess in this variation of the question is, were you concerned heading into the playoffs? Heck yeah. I mean, the the whole Thanksgiving, Ravens have COVID. We're going to delay the game to, what, Saturday, then we're going to delay the game to Sunday, and then we're going to delay the game to Tuesday, and then who knows if we're going to have to – I mean, it it just all went down. Uh, Absolutely. Um, Really, after that 11th win, it wasn't a question of worrying about going into the playoffs. It was more of how are we going to fare in the playoffs. Losing Dupree and Bush um, to uh, to torn ACLs really depleted our linebacker core – and certainly losses to teams like the football team and and the Bills and even uh, shouldn't have been close game against the Ravens. It con- it was concerning on how we would play in the playoffs against teams like possibly the Chiefs or the Titans again or the Bills again. So that's sort of what makes makes me as a fan worried. I think we're still concerned. Yeah. Looking at the playoff matchups, who do you feel the Steelers match up the best with? regardless of all the teams in the AFC, who do you think that the Steelers would have no issue taking care of? You know, at, at this point, I don't think we can say anyone. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we're playing Cleveland in the first round, right? I spent the first 30 years of my life hating Cleveland and the last 20 years feeling sorry for them. So I'm glad they made it into the playoffs, but I, you know, I don't know. Hopefully with Ben back, you know, we'll, we can do a little better than we did. Yeah, certainly. Uh, A draw against Cleveland is probably the best thing that could have happened. I mean, they're a team with very little playoff experience, whereas we are um, headed by a quarterback with two Super Bowl rings under his belt. So that's great. And even looking to the past week where we ended out the season versus Cleveland, we had uh, Mason Rudolph, who is by no means a starting quarterback, throw for over 300 yards which is sort of a game plan. The Steelers will probably look to take into action in the um, wild card weekend with Roethlisberger, considering he's throwing anywhere from 40 to 50 to 55 times a game. So it's good to see that we're going to be able to do that. Just got to be concerned about that running game and especially the Browns running game as well with our depleted linebacker group. What's the team that you don't want to see in the playoffs? I know everybody's been talking about Kansas City, but is Kansas City the team Steelers fans don't want to see in the playoffs? Is it is it Baltimore? Is it is it Tennessee? Is it uh, 
Is it even Buffalo? I mean, is there somebody <laughs> in the AFC that really scares Steeler fans? Yeah, well, for me personally, it's Baltimore because of, you know, our household dynamic here. My husband and I have to watch this game in separate rooms, sometimes in separate locations. So personally, for me, it's the Ravens, but I think um, academically, it's Kansas City. Well, yeah, I'm looking at the playoff picture, if the Steelers are to beat the Browns, they're going to play either the Bills or the the Colts, I believe, is their matchup. And um, really, that's the next game I'm worried about. The Bills, I think, are more threats than the Chiefs. The Chiefs have looked vulnerable at times. They had that loss to the Raiders. They've looked vulnerable against the Panthers, the Dolphins, the Falcons. I think they're a beatable team, but the Bills are scoring so many points per game. We just saw this past week. They put up 56 against Miami to end their playoff hopes. So I think the Bills and Chiefs are definitely up there, but and they're going to be some of the teams that come out of the AFC to the Super Bowl. Another question I have, especially before we go on to the predictions, the, the biggest question is, Life without Ben Roethlisberger, I know last year was sort of a taste of what could happen if Roethlisberger calls it quits, and he's around, he was in the same draft class as Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers and things like that, so it's almost getting close to 20 years of playing in the NFL. Are there concerns about whether Mason Rudolph could carry this franchise into the future once uh, Roethlisberger is retired? So, I mean, Ben doesn't know a Steeler team without Ben Roethlisberger, right? So, and again, after the Super Bowl domination of the 70s, the 80s and the early 90s were a rude awakening for Steeler fans. So, yeah, it could get really ugly really fast. Absolutely. And I don't think Mason Rudolph is going to be the predecessor to Big Ben by any means. I think we're going to have to look other places, whether that's trading for someone like Sam Darnold or maybe taking on a hefty contract like injury-prone Carson Wentz, I mean, or even in the draft, um, maybe, a, maybe a quarterback will fall to us who has some decent caliber. But it is pretty scary not knowing if Roethlisberger will be at the helm or not, considering how banged up he's been. Even this season, he took a hit against the Cowboys, and he had to come out for a couple drives. So I really don't know what to expect without Roethlisberger or what moves will be made in order to, um, I guess, sort of come back from his inevitable retirement. Yeah, even if he comes back next year. Looking on to the predictions, I know the Super Bowl, it's still a ways away to determine who's going to come out because you never know what's going to happen. But right now, on the spot, if you had a choice to determine who's coming out of the AFC, who's coming out of the NFC, who will win that matchup and what will the final score be? I mean, out of the AFC, I truly think it's going to be the Bills, Chiefs, or Steelers. As a Steelers fan, I sure hope it's going to be Pittsburgh trying to get um, to that stairway to seven. In the NFC, each team has their sort of good areas and their bad areas. Green Bay chilling at the number one seed. They had a good record last year, but then were ultimately defeated by the 49ers, who are also a good team and headed to the Super Bowl. The Saints, I don't know how they will fare um, without Camara possibly for a few games, considering he's on the COVID-19 list. Seattle's looked shaky at times. So I think if I had to pick a team, I think the Buccaneers are going to going to come out on top. I think they uh, destroyed the Packers earlier in the year by 28 points. They get a, I guess, easy first-round matchup against the football team. 
And I, I could see them winning the NFC Championship game as well. So I'm going to say Steelers and Buccaneers are going to be in the championship this year. I would like to see a Steelers-Green uh, Bay rematch. Um, but uh, I could do Steelers-Saints too. Two black and gold teams wouldn't be a bad thing. Who do you have coming out winning those matchups? Uh, it's got to be the Steelers. It has to be the Steelers. <laughs> I'd at least keep you honest on that. At least, if- <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to say otherwise. <laughs> well, Jackie and Ben, I really appreciate you being on this show and being in the podcast. Uh, before we go and before we wrap up, I wanted to know if you had anybody you wanted to give shout outs to, anything you wanted to promote while you're here. Absolutely, I just want to shout out my uh, my own company, Ben Ten Sneakers, on uh, TikTok and Instagram. Also, um, shout out to my mom for getting me on the podcast along with my. Aunt Karen, who texts me during every game, and the Hulu crew at Annabelle's, Joe and Ashton. I appreciate them as well. I love the Steeler fans out there. Corey Schuyler, really appreciate you being on here, Corey. We're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills, the 2020 AFC East champions. And I know that's got to be a great feeling, especially that feeling, especially knocking off pretty much the rule of the roost of New England. Right. I think that that's funny. The, the stat was the Colts have won the AFC East more recently than the Bills. Last time they won was 95. And I was like, I'm like, well, I was still in, I was in elementary school last time they won the, won the AFC East, which is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still crazy just to think this team, especially after the playoff run last year, the best thing they could do is just build off of that. Right. I, th- I think that I, I was real skeptical when, when Beam went all in for it all with you trade the first round pick and a bunch more assets to the, the Vikings to get digs. And you get all the rumors about digs in, in Minnesota that he's a diva, that he, he brings nothing but baggage. And you start thinking like Terrell Owens and, you know, the, the big name receivers that come in and just destroy a locker room. And I know what McDermott's trying to build. I'm like, I'm a little worried. And then watching the offseason footage you know, again with COVID and everything with the offseason with with him and Allen and the, how those two just mesh. And he just makes that receiver room just so much better. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that was a huge pick-me-up for the Bills. How long have you been a fan of the Bills, and what led to the appeal of Buffalo? So when I grew up out in near Reading, PA, so when I was growing up, the Eagles were in the Randall Cunningham era. And my, you know, the Bills were good. A bunch of my friends in the neighborhood I grew up in were Bills fans, so we bought, they were on all the time. So – we watch football on Sundays and that just kind of stuck. And I stuck with the team even through the four Super Bowl losses. So it, I kind of, I picked my team and I stuck with them through, throughout to up till now. And being able to see all of the, uh, the good and the bad, especially everything from the music city miracle on, on up and, and yep. stuff like that. What is your most memorable moment as a bills fan? There's probably multiple. I'd say 99 and the Music City Miracle. That was just the heart. You know, again, I was really too young to know, really realize Scott Norwood. Um, 99, the, the Music City Miracle was terrible because I remember watching the watching the Bills drive down, get the lead, and then come back down and go, "Oh, we let that happen." The one that sticks out the most is the most recent, and it wasn't even our team playing. It was watching Tyler Boyd ripped the heart out of the Ravens when he when he caught that pass and took it in the end zone. I just remember watching the Bills fans and just I'm down in my basement with my brother-in-law and we are I'm losing my mind because it's been 20 years, you know, since they made the playoffs and I'm just like, this is crazy. I heard a lot of Buffalo Bills fans donated to Andy Dalton's charity yep. because of that play. 
It was like four. They donated like four thousand dollars. It was it was a crazy amount of money. And I just remember watching it going. I'm like, even if we beat Miami, we have to hope the Bengals win. And the Bengals, I don't know if they were. I can't remember if they were good that year or not. And I just remember just watching that play and just just losing my mind. That was pretty memorable. And then you knew something was happening there. And they had the letdown season, but then last year was pretty good. Expectations coming into the season. They talk about the pickup of Diggs and seeing everything after last year's playoff run. What was the big uh, feeling going into this season, especially with the wins of the AFC East changing with Tom Brady going to Tampa? Well, with Brady leaving, and I think looking at again, I was I was thinking about this day when I was looking at your questions, and I went back to the Bills draft, and I said, "Man, you got rid of the 22nd or the 18th overall pick. You got Diggs, you drafted Zach Moss, and then you got Epinesa." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. The defense is stout. There's some people hold opting out because you know the situation." But I was like, "If they don't win the division, it's gonna be a disappointing year." Like that was my expectation with the number of people. It was, again, and then that was if. Josh Allen had to take that next step. If he doesn't take the next step, we're not going to win the division. The Patriots will win it again, and or the Dolphins will win it. Was there a surprise when you saw how good the Dolphins were, especially after a year before just sort of tanking and pretty much strip mining it to see them go as far, especially, you know, a rivalry between those two teams in that division? I think that's a game I'm actually really looking forward to. Yeah, the next two games we're looking forward to. And they've taken a step and they've drafted well. Flores brings a lot of what New England had. So I think that's one of the things that it was unexpected, but I think we were trending in the right direction. They also benefited the schedule. He's going to beat who's in front of you, but they beat some quality teams. Was there a point in the season that you felt, okay, Bills are going back to the playoffs? I would say it's been the last three games. It was funny. I made a comment that this is the first time I've been able to watch the Bills three weeks in a row and I can't remember how long because they played on Saturday against the Broncos. They played on Sunday night against the Steelers and then the previous Monday night against San Francisco. And all three of those games, I said, Miami's on their heels. They have to go at least three and one, if not two and two, and hope that the last game against Miami. I'd say after this weekend's game, it was, you, know, you knew they were in and the way they won, it was emphatic. But I think that was, you know, they needed to have the stretch where they had to play confident because their stretch against the Chiefs and the Titans. And then even the Jets game where they didn't score a touchdown, they had six field goals. They just couldn't put it together. There was a month where they couldn't put it together in the middle of the season where it was just like, what's going on with this team? Speaking of that, did you feel like at any point that this division was Buffalo's to lose and that they might not make the playoffs again? Yeah, when the Titans game got canceled, then they moved it. They were playing the Chiefs. So then they played the Titans on Tuesday. Then they played the Chiefs on the following Monday. And then they followed those two in Titans game. They got blown out. They weren't even, it wasn't even competitive. And then they followed that up with a loss to Kansas City again, Kansas City being Kansas City, a great team. But then the follow the next two games, they didn't pl- quite play great, didn't score a touchdown against the Jets, which is unheard of. And <laughs> yeah, sorry, but I feel bad for Jets fans. It, it's Adam Gates. It, it's like looking at the Rams and saying, you know, looking at Jared Goff and, and the Rams and saying, well, they had Jeff Fisher. But what's Jeff Fisher ever done with a quarterback? Sorry, I think my shots are good. Jeff Fisher, but he's, he's a great coach. He just couldn't get his quarterbacks there. Yeah, there was another game in there. I can't think of what it was, and it was it was games where you're just like, okay, it was New England. It was a New England game. I'm like, okay, they can't stop the run right now. They, they relied on Cam Newton fumbling the football. You know, the defense came up big, and they won 21-17. But that could have very well been the season right there. If they lose that game, that's I would think they're looking at a wild card as opposed to the division. What team do you feel like the Bills match up the best with? I would say if we see Miami, 
because for some reason, the Dolphins bring out the best in Josh Allen. But so far in his career, his best games have come against Miami. Up until this season, when he has a big game, it's against Miami. So that's the one I look at and I go, okay, if we get them for the third time, this will be fun. Old school Miami-Buffalo rivalry. Who's the team that you don't want to see in the AFC playoffs? I would say that Tennessee, again, and or Baltimore, I think – Hey, I want to overlook Cleveland, but Cleveland's kind of like the Bills were last year. They are, they're in the playoffs. They're going to be young. They can control the game with two top five running backs, two top ten running backs in the league. Their defense is good. I, I just don't trust Baker Mayfield yet. The Ravens, they have a coach who's been there. that They they can run the ball. That's the one part of the Bills that I'm still not sold with. Their big defensive tackle they had holding out for COVID. He and letting Jordan Phillips go and letting Shaq Lawson go. The Bills at the beginning of the year, that they couldn't stop the run. Okay, how are we going to stop this team? They're just going to run the balls. It's going to be like the Rex Ryan defense. Let Lev Bell run 250 yards. That's, those are the two teams I would actually don't want to see, at least at this point. When McDermott was hired, what were your thoughts? I know there was a, a few coaches. I know the uh, Doug Marone era that occurred <laughs> and how, how brief that was. But what were your thoughts when McDermott got there and were you sold on him? So I've got my best friends, an Eagles fan, I growing up out there. Knowing McDermott as a part of that Andy Reid tree, I was a little more comfortable knowing that what stability he brought. You come from two seasons of eight and eight and a seven and nine season under Rex Ryan slash Anthony Lynn, and you go, they all need a mouth. You know, that Rex Ryan, you don't need a coach like that. You need someone who's just going to come in, do work, create culture. And that's what the combination of McDermott and B, that was the big thing is I think when you had McDermott and then you brought the GM in and that made it, you know, it was a complete culture change in that facility. I know there was probably a lot of school of thought, especially tearing down what Rexa did. At least he might've been one more year away from getting them over that hump. But again, the seeing that slow growth and seeing everything occur, how much patience did you guys have to put in on all of this? <laughs> it's tough for any fan to buy in on some things, especially waiting for that yeah. time to come. Every year it was like, okay, it's a three-year process, three-year process. And then it was, all right, we traded for Sam Watkins. I'm like, well, who's our quarterback? Gabriel Davis and all these other guys who you're like, they're not franchise quarterbacks. And then you finally go out and you, you, know, you spend draft capital and you get Josh Allen and you've got the draft night tweets and the working as, you know, just pure raw talent. And you see this first year comes out and, you know, so you see some slow progression, but you know, McDermott's a defensive guy. They bring in. They bring in Brian Dable, and he starts to work with him. But that's as a Bills fan, it's like being, it's like being a Browns fan. He's nothing but patience. Now, as we go into the Super Bowl prediction, I know that again, some people think that the winds of change might be coming. There might neither team from the Super Bowl might be showing up in the Super Bowl again. At least uh, among some of the schools of thought. What are your predictions for the AFC champion, the NFC champion, and the final score of the Super Bowl? Uh, I I always remember the laugh. There was always Chris Burman in the 90s would pick Niners, Bills, and it would be never be Niners, Bills. Um, Again, I have to think the Bills are going to come out of the AFC. They have as good a chance as any now, you know, picking up the second seed. If they don't lose one of their next two games, I think that, you know, that's a good chance. Again, goes through Kansas City, but I still think Buffalo win that game with the way they're playing. Um, The NFC, it's the Packers to lose. I think Jordan Love was like, okay, Aaron Rodgers, like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and sling it. So I think that'd be an entertaining Packers-Bills Super Bowl, and I'd say 24-17 Bills. I have to say that would be the final. 
That's going to be a very interesting one. I mean, who knows? I mean, again, coming down to a touchdown or a late game, I was thinking it's going to be a bunch of shootouts, especially when you involve some of these teams in here. But, you know, it all depends. Last year's Super Bowl wasn't a uh, slugfest, and I was thinking we were going to see at least 100 or so points. I I was thinking you'd see a replay of the Rams-Chiefs game years ago in Mexico City where they put up 102 points or 101 points, something like that. You know, the Niners, it just turned to, again, I – I felt really good for Andy Reid watching him in Philly and the way they the way he got ousted in Philly, or he ended there. So I always thought I was very happy to see him get his title. I think I think McDermott brings the culture. I think it, again, it falls on Josh Allen if he can take that next step and not play hero ball. Josh Allen, that's the one thing that he does. Like if a lateral in last year's game, I know what he was trying to do, but you don't do that in the playoffs. <laughs> you don't play hero. For anyone who wants to reach out to you about your thoughts on this, do you have social media? Where do you do for social media? Any uh, shout outs? Or- I'm on Facebook. I'm based on Facebook. I'm not on social media very much. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's very interesting just seeing a lot. I mean, I know a lot of people don't do the social media thing. I mean, sometimes they see the toxicity of what's going on, or sometimes they're just too busy and, and don't want to give themselves in a little minutia of everything that's going on because then you feel like you're preoccupied to do this and do that and follow this, and it can be a big addiction, too. Yeah. The defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. They've been running through everybody this season. Only one one loss. And when you look at it, the, the toughest thing to do in any sport is to repeat. And, of course, they're going to have to put that on the line when the road to the Lombardi Trophy begins. Starting, well, January 16th. But with me, my guest representing the Kansas City Chiefs as a fan, Jeffrey McCoy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I really do appreciate it. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. No problem, brother. You know, when you asked me to do it, I was like, definitely, man. Anything for you. You know what I mean? Good dude. Definitely wanted to get on here and talk about my boys. First time doing something like this, so I'm excited. Yeah, and I hope that you're not going to be too nervous. I know that some people, when it comes to getting on, especially when it's something live, people freeze up. Some people, it's just like, you know, there's no camera on. Right. Yeah, like, I don't have no problem being on live. I've, you know, I've gone live before. I try not to, but, you know, uh, definitely want to get on here, talk about some football. I love football. My favorite sport. So, super excited. How long have you been a fan of the Chiefs? And really, what was the reason that you're a Chiefs fan? Um, so I would say I was in high school when I started like really getting into my sports teams like that. And uh, it's funny. Um, I grew up, most of my family were Cowboys fans and never understood why, because none of them were from Dallas or even around the area, I guess, because it was the 90s and everybody was, you know, they were winning. So that was just a team to root for. So at some point I was like, I'm not rooting for the Cowboys. And I was like, well, I got to pick a team. And um, just so happens that uh, was um, first couple years of my life, I was in Kansas City. So I was like, I'm going to pick them, not knowing the record, not knowing, not doing too much history. When I chose them, I was like, I'm just going to go with them. I'm going to rock with them. So, you know, started watching them. You know what I mean? Always was an entertaining team to watch, but very heartbreaking team to watch as well. You know what I mean? We always had a good running game um, back with Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, those guys back in the day, you know, obviously Jamal Charles, obviously those guys. And then, of course, the human joystick with uh, Hall and all those guys back then. Obviously, Tony Gonzalez, um, one of the greatest tight ends ever. Those guys, you know, Dwight Bo, you know, just all those guys that I got to watch growing up. And then, of course, that was just my team. And I enjoyed watching them. And even though we would when we did get to the playoffs, we always had those first round exits. It was just like one of those things like we're going to get there one of the day. We were always missing that piece. And that was always our quarterback always missing the quarterback we always had like you know subpar quarterbacks I was 
I remember Matt Castle was the guy I thought we were going to get and he was going to do something because he came from that Patriot system. And, you know, obviously that didn't work out. He took a lot of money from us. Yeah, I know a lot of people can talk about quarterbacks who stole money from from teams. What's the most memorable moment as a Chiefs fan? I know it seems like the obvious is going to be the Super Bowl win, but is I mean, in addition, is that it or is it something else? Um, actually, it was when Priest Holmes had set the touchdown record. I remember that season because that was really one of those seasons where I was like, okay, we're about to really do something. He was like just running over everybody. He was just a overpowering runner, and I just love watching him play. Um, that was probably my most memorable. Obviously, the Super Bowl is the most memorable. But if I had to talk about something other than that, it was probably that uh, the season where uh, Priest Holmes set that touchdown record before that year. It was like him and LaDainian Tomlinson were always going at it in the games when we played against the Chargers. It was just a good season. Expectations going into the season. The odds are that no one was thinking, well, they're going to have a Super Bowl hangover. They're going to miss the playoffs. Now, it looked like it was far from that. But to you, what were your expectations? It was scary at first because, you know, we had that controversy with Tyreek Hill. And then we picked up Miko Harmon in the draft. And, I, and my whole thing was like, okay, that's just a plug and plug and play. He might not be as good as Tyreek Hill, but he definitely had the speed and it showed promise there. So I was like, I know we get a couple few pieces. Then we grabbed the running back and I was like, OK, I, you know, I wish we picked up somebody on defense. But I was like, you know what? Our offense is that powerful that we can you know, do what we did last year, basically rely on them. And our defense just needed a couple stops. So I was like, yeah, we're definitely going to be in the AFC championship. Hopefully the Super Bowl again this year. You had to feel good that. These guys are making the playoffs. The West is there to be won. I, I guess there were automatic expectations that we're heading back to the playoffs. Right. Yeah. I just I knew we were going to win our division. Um, I didn't see anything in the division that made me think that it was going to be anything different as far as pickup accusations. Obviously, early on in the season, I got you know I seen the young Chargers kid, he came out and he balled on us, Herbert. And I was like, okay, they might be a little bit of a contention. And obviously that, that noise died down. And then of course the Raiders, they beat us. They gave us our one loss, but you know, people are always like, Oh, you guys lost to the Raiders. I was like, Raiders always give us a hard game. We're in the same division. It's a division game. You know, I look at it like, you know, you look at other big teams, the Steelers, Ravens, some of the other AFC teams, they always have a hard time with their own division. You know, even the Patriots, they always, you know, they were always losing to the Dolphins. So, you know, I mean, it, it felt like one of those games, giving a little bit more respect to the Raiders because they definitely have a good team, you know, I mean, in regards to them winning against us. But I was like, they won't beat us twice. I know this is a question that's really pretty academic, but I have to ask it anyway. Was there a point you were worried about the Chiefs not making the playoffs? Never. Not once. I didn't see it looking at the schedule. Like I said, especially the way we played against the Ravens early on the way we kind of came out and were just running and, you know, ran up the score at the beginning. And then, of course, you know, they came back, they made it a halfway decent-looking game. But, you know what I mean, for us to be able to do that, you know, that was the team that I was gauging our team off of. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, the Ravens were, you know I mean, they were the best team in the AFC last year. So that's how I gauged my AFC chances of making it back to the playoffs. Did you feel at one point, especially with the talk of Brady going to Tampa and things like that, did that make it more feeling that it could be a cakewalk in the conference or, or was that yeah, sort of like um, one side relief? Yeah, him, le him leaving the Patriots definitely uh, made it seem like it was going to be a lot easier. Unfortunately, the Patriots, they, you know, I mean, 20 years of killing. You know, when you see a team like that leave and head out of the AFC, it was ours to run. At the end of the day, we were just a Super Bowl champs. We, when we played against the better teams, we beat them. 
So, you know what I mean? It was just one of those things that it was for us to lose. Looking at the playoffs, who are the teams that you feel like you match up the best with? In the AFC, honestly, I still think it's the Ravens. At the end of the day, they still have a good defense. And if they get their running game going and can keep the ball out of our hands, they're definitely going to be a problem. And then um, also in the AFC is the Titans. They gave us a scare, obviously, last season with going up 17. And I was thinking with that running game, the game was over. Obviously, Mahomes decided to do a little magic and get us back in the game. But, you know, I mean, those are the two teams that I'm worried about in the AFC. Who's the team that you're most worried about? I know a lot of teams are getting hot. The Dolphins are in there. The Browns are in there. Uh, and, and everything's still trying to settle itself out. I mean, even the Colts I, as well. Who do you worry about? I don't want to play the Dolphins again because they caused a lot of turnovers for us, and we shouldn't have won that game in, in reality. Like, they really balled that first half. Obviously, we ran off 30 points in a row, which is, you know, we had to go. We had to. Like, that's not something normal. But as far as, like, you know what I mean, to pick our team three times, we can't do that again in the playoffs. So that would be the team that I would be most worried about is the Dolphins. And forgive me, I keep on forgetting the Bills. Bills are scary. They got a good all-around team. Bills are real scary. I know that the big uh, mark against Andy Reid always was he could never get over the hump. And he could never get over the hump and never could win the big game. I know it haunted him in Philadelphia. And it looked like for a while, especially after uh, the season before last, that AFC championship game against New England, that it was going to be just as good to get to the conference championship game, can't get to the Super Bowl, and then not be able to win it. With Andy Reid getting that burden off his back with that Super Bowl win, do you feel like now it could lead him to – you know, change his legacy as one of the best coaches at one point not to win a Super Bowl? I think his legacy is already solidified as one of the best coaches. Like, you know what I mean? He had great seasons with the Eagles, regardless of whether they won or not. I was always a fan of Andy Reid's. I think that now that he's done that, you got to think to lose to the Patriots that went on to win the Super Bowl in Mahomes' first year on a messed up defensive offside play. You can't even really knock that to Andy Reid. In that case, that was just a mistake that obviously turned into something else and then a coin toss. And I think that for him to basically, since he, him and the combination of him and Mahomes, which at least be together for the next 10 years, they've been to two AFC championships in a row and got a Super Bowl out of out of one of them. And it seems like the Chiefs have a bunch of replaceable parts. They've, they've lost guys like Kendall Fuller. They lost a few other guys. Uh, Kareem Hunt, that was huge regardless. I mean, what everybody's thoughts are on Kareem yeah, Hunt and what huge. happened, it's, it's, it, it, it played a huge factor and figure out, okay, what are you going to do to replace that? But it seems like they just kept on rolling and, and it's interchangeable. What does that say about the front office and just being able to find those guys that, that can fill those supplementary roles? I look at, especially on our offensive side, if you looked at us in the past, Basically, since Andy Reid's been there, we've always had, even when Jamal Charles got out, when you've seen his replacements come in, they would come in and put up 100-yard games, every single one of them. And then, you know, uh, it was just really, we would plug plug and play with them. But as long as we had our pieces in place, you know what I mean? As long as you got Mahomes on the field, you really don't have too many of issues. And the fact that we have guys like Tyreek and Kelsey, Kelsey stays pretty healthy for the most part. Um, Tyreek, you know, he had one season where he's out for a little while, but for the most part, he stays pretty healthy. And then, you know, we got five receivers that can score on you. Watkins, Robinson, McCole Hardman. Um, I think the addition of Le'Veon Bell is uh, slowly turning into something that's going to be great. You know what I mean? We forget he was a Pro Bowl running back, and he's just learning the system. So I think come playoffs, he's going to really be ingrained in that system. 
And then, of course, Hilaire, he'll pop off some good runs for you. I think he hit that rookie wall towards the end of the season, and he's just kind of getting over that. But the fact that we added Le'Veon Bell kind of helps out with that. Obviously, speaking of plug and play, we did lose Williams, who was arguably, you know, the MVP of the Super Bowl last year. You know, he went out because of the COVID thing, and uh, definitely replacing him was a big deal. But then again, he was, like I said, a replace. He was a backup running back normally for the Kareem Hunts. And, and obviously, Kareem Hunt was a big loss. Look what he's doing over in uh, the Browns as a backup. He can put up starters numbers anywhere. So I think that everybody sometimes wonder, will there be a regression with Patrick Mahomes? Because, you know, you, you put up MVP numbers that are basically like a video game, and you think, can you go any further? Even if anybody can call his numbers last year a regression, I mean, that's still a pretty good regression that any quarterback would have. Well, look what happened to him last year. He had a knee injury that people thought he was going to be out to the playoffs and came back after like three, four games and went on to win a Super Bowl. You know, most players, if they had an injury that, you know, to their knee, thing like that, a lot of times they'll be out for the season or they're never the same. And he was making plays still with his legs and everything. I think with Mahomes, just because of his uh, ability to be able to throw in the pocket, he's a pocket passer first, but he uses legs when necessary. He doesn't use them just to use them. And I think that he's smart without getting hurt. You know, he doesn't take a lot of big shots if he doesn't have to. So I think there's going to be no regression there because he's smart enough to play a pocket passer if he has to, especially when he gets older. Now, the moment we've all been waiting for, I know this is something that always piques everyone's interest. Prediction for the Super Bowl, the AFC champion, the NFC champion, and the final score. Um, I think the AFC champion is going to end up being the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know why, but, you know, they're just a great team. And then uh, I think for the NFC championship, this one's a hard one for me. Okay, I have two answers. I have an answer of who I want to see in the NFC championship for revenge reasons. And then um, I have who I think is actually going to be there. I'll go with who I think is actually going to be there. I think it's going to actually end up being the Saints um, just because they have such a good defense and their offense is – obviously great as well i think that like i said they played us well last week and i think that if drew Brees stays healthy i think they have a good enough defense to slow down green bay and win it all and obviously the tampa bay buccaneers haven't had an answer for them all season who i'd like to play is tampa bay just because i think we owe brady one it's interesting that is the second prediction of new orleans against kansas city everybody's been pretty much riding the wave of we're getting a super bowl one and two rematch between green bay and kansas city that's what i've been hearing and seeing so far yeah that would be definitely nostalgia wise that would definitely be a good game we owe them one for that too so i'd love to uh, see us play them and uh beat up on aaron Rodgers as well since you know right now Obviously, the MVP race, if you look at it, it's really between those two guys and to beat them in the Super Bowl will solidify Mahomes as one of the greats. Do you want to give any shout outs to anyone? Do you have anything you want to promote or anything as well or social media that you uh, people can reach out to you? Since we are talking about football, I would just like to give a shout out to TJ Bryant and his team and what they're doing for the kids in this area as far as football is concerned. And then, of course, another thing dealing with sports, um, just the basketball, Andre Collins and what he's got going on. Shout out to the Y Comical Youth Basketball League that's going on, what they're doing, good things, playing over at the Civic Center. If you haven't had your kids in that, put them in that. Think that's a dope program obviously i don't have mine in there anymore since i moved to virginia but um i definitely think those are some good things that are going on on the shore and uh definitely uh promote those things um and then of course you can find me on social media 
under my name, Jeffrey McCoy, or uh, you can find Instagram is uh, King underscore T-E-A 50 F-I-F-T-Y. And that's also the same on Twitter. Nothing else. Just a shout out to those guys that are doing a lot of good things in the community sports wise and the, those programs that are going on. There's probably more programs, but those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head right now. And TJ, we've had on definitely a friend of the show with the Salisbury Rhinos and things I'm looking forward to. And I'm hoping and I and I know this is just me trying to reach. Out. I need to reach out to Andre. I want to talk about his career because he's had a, an amazing career, especially, you know, we always look at the thing about the Eastern Shore where, you know, everybody uses the excuse. A lot of people can't go anywhere and things like that. And when I mean, you can see a whole bunch of people who've, who've made it so far, it doesn't matter it's, if it's, you know, Upper Shore or down here, Delaware, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of folks we've seen who, who are making it, you know, off the shore. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of people. It's always cool to know those guys and see what they're doing. It's exciting to watch them when you do get to see them on TV, especially some a lot of these young guys coming out and playing. As stacked as the AFC is, let's see the competition in the other league, starting with the number seven seed, Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are surging in the NFC playoff race and right now hold that last spot in the playoffs. And with me, my guest, Chicago Bears fan, Cameron Kemp. Thank you for being on here, and I really appreciate you being a part of this. I knew as soon as I started seeing the Bears just get starting to get hot that I know I needed to find the biggest Bears fan I knew, and I knew <laughs> you were the one. That's me. Been hanging in there study since 1984 with them. So, uh, yeah, I've been through it all. Mostly downs, but a few ups here and there. You said 1984 was when you became a Bears fan. What drew you to the Bears? My dad was a Colts fan, and when the Colts left Baltimore, it just crushed him. Like, he really stopped watching football there for a time, so I was kind of lost. Like, I had always been a Colts fan because he was a Colts fan. And I kind of remember liking the Redskins a little bit. Like, I loved John Riggins, you know, like that year. But I was like, kind of like I, I just wanted a different team. I wanted somebody to root for. In 84, the Bears were good, and I remember watching their little playoff run or make it to the playoffs. But then I really remember them getting beat down by the San Francisco 49ers in the 84 NFC Championship game. And I remember, like, feeling bad for them. Like, they, their starting quarterback was out. McMahon was out. They just had no chance. Defense hung tough all day. But it was like at that point, I was like, I love Mike Singletary. I fell in love with the way he played. Walter Payton, and I was just like, man, I, this is the team I'm going to start rooting for. And that's just really fell in love with them that season. And really, that, that, that weird that the, I fell in love with the team during a loss, but that's really when it happened. To you, in your mind, what has been the biggest Chicago Bears moment that you can always recall? It, it would be easy to say the, the 85 Super Bowl, but I think the 80, the 85 Super Bowl was kind of anticlimactic because, you know, the, the upsets that happened in the AFC, you just knew the Bears were going to go in and crush, you know, New England. For me, it was the playoff run in 85, shutting out the Rams, shutting out the Giants, back-to-back -back shutouts. Nobody had ever done that in the history of the NFL in the playoffs. The NFC Championship game, beating, beating the Rams, the, they started snowing in the fourth quarter. You know, the Bears scored a defensive touchdown. Wilbur Marshall, who later went on to play for the Redskins, scored a defensive touchdown in the snow. And it, for me, it was that moment. Like that still, it still gives me goosebumps to this day. Looking at the season coming in, Matt Nagy uh, back again for another season. The acquisition of Nick Foles. What were the expectations coming into the season for the Bears? I thought we could be like a 10 and 16 of a solid playoff team, uh, maybe even 11 and five. 
you know, the worry was he would naming Mitch the starter told me that, that something wasn't clicking with Foles early on, you know, in training camp. I, I thought they really had brought him in to be the starter. I thought they were moving on from Mitch. So that's about where that was. Or preseason, like I said, I thought we were going to be a solid playoff team. Just be mainly because of our defense. We had a top five defense going in, made some make some acquisitions with Quinn coming in. I thought that would help us a lot more than it has. But uh, yeah, I thought we'd be a solid playoff team. Seeing how Nagy his coaching, what is it that stands out to you about how he manages that team? Well, him giving up the play calling is actually it's the switch back to Trubisky. But I think him giving up the play calling has actually fueled this run. We've had a lot of offensive line injuries throughout the season. He's a good motivator. The guys play hard for him. You know, I'll give him that. You can you can tell that. You can see that. But I, I don't think being a young second, third-year coach, handling the game situations and also calling the plays is a lot for anybody. And I don't, don't think he was – as Bears fans, we complained about his play calling all season. So for him to, to have the guts to stay, hey, I'm going to step down. I'm going to let somebody else make the play calls. I'm still going to be involved in the, in the game planning, but I'm going to let somebody else make the play calling. And that it's improved our run game. It's improved everything pretty much ever since he stepped down as the play caller. Was there a particular moment where you felt this team is bound for the playoffs? When we beat Tampa Bay on Thursday night football, a lot of our earlier victories, Detroit, the Giants, Carolina, some subpar teams. I, you know, I, I didn't think we're going to be in the playoff run, but going to Tampa – beating Tom Brady on Thursday night. I thought that kind of solidified it. I said, you know, Foles came in. He didn't play great, but he made the big plays when he had to. And I said, well, this is this is what we've got now. This Foles is going to lead us. The defense is going to be able to hold teams to under 25 points, 20 points. And I thought that was the moment where I thought we were a real contender. Where did you see a point in the season where this team wasn't going to be there? <laughs> Shortly after that, that's I think the six-game losing streak started right after we beat Tampa Bay. So it, uh, it started rolling downhill after that. Like I said, we had at one point we only had one starting offensive lineman in the lineup for like a three-week stretch. And with your in the NFL, your backup lineman, you may have a backup center, but. The, your other backup linemen that you don't foresee starting are you're, you're trying to find versatile guys that can play either guard or tackle. And I think we just had to find that right combination of like, we have a guy that's played center guard and tackle for us this year. So it's a combination. It's finding that right combination of offensive linemen to play as a unit. The, the offensive line play is you play as five, you play as five guys doing one job. And once we found that and made the switch back to Mitch and it's, got a running game going again. That's been what's turned the season around. But yeah, that six game losing streak. Not many teams uh, can fight their way back into a playoff spot after a six game losing streak. Holding on to that last spot. Who do you feel they match up the best with in the NFC playoffs? Well, I mean, any team from the NFC East, <laughs> obviously it was just that they're just, it's just a down year for the NFC. East. The rest of got a tough defense. It looks like the Cowboys might sneak in, and you, you, the Cowboy jokes have just been all season, and now they might sneak into the playoffs, so who knows. I wouldn't mind seeing Tampa Bay again. Like I said, I think our defense matches up well with what they have with Brady getting the pass rush on him. He's always in the same spot in the pocket. I think that helps. Seattle, they don't have a very good defense this year. I think we could move the ball on them, and I think we could corral Russell Wilson and keep him in the pocket a little bit better than most teams do between personnel and scheme. I think those are the teams I wouldn't mind seeing. 
So who in the NFC playoff race is it that you don't want to see? I'm assuming it's the, the, the two you didn't mention, New Orleans and Green Bay. Yeah, we we played a close game with New Orleans. We lost uh, like 25-23, and that's when we weren't getting very good quarterback play. I think we could play tough with them, but yeah, but they are tough. But I, I don't want to see Green Bay. <laughs> but we never – Aaron Rodgers is what, 19-5, uh, counting the playoff games. He's 19-5 against the Bears. He always kills us. He always makes it look easy. We've got a good defense, but we can't seem to cover Adams. He always scores a couple of touchdowns against us. That good. That would be the team in the playoffs that, like I said, just because of history and recent history, it's just we just don't we don't play well against Green Bay. We don't match up well against Green Bay. Did Trubisky losing the job become a wake up call for him, especially once Foles was out of action? Yeah, I, he, Mitch is so he's so hard to figure. He there are spots in every game where you're like, okay, he can do this. He can. He can play this position in the NFL. I, I don't think he'll ever be a star. And I think a lot of that is it, it's related to where he was drafted. It's not his fault that somebody made the choice to draft up and take him over Mahomes and Watson. I mean, if he was drafted in the second or third round, you're going to look at his play and say, okay, you're getting what you should get from a second or third round young quarterback, especially a guy that only started one year in college. But, you know, when you get drafted where he got drafted, all the expectations go up, all the comparisons of Watson and, and, you know, the other guys that are just doing killing the league, that hurts him. I don't think it was ever like a, a wake-up or like a, a lack of preparation, but maybe it was like, okay, I got my job back to begin the season. I lost my job, and now I've got my job back. If I don't do something now, you know, I may be just a career backup. Nobody's ever going to give me that chance again to be a starter, so – Maybe it was. What is it that he is doing well in this stretch? Well, he's he can move in the pocket. And like I said, we're starting to get some offensive linemen back, but we're still not a top 15 offensive line. It's really tough to win in the NFL uh, without a good offensive line. But just being able to, like, if we don't pick up a blitz, if a guy like Aaron Donald or something like that, somebody like that just beats one of our linemen just straight off the block, he can move in the pocket and get rid of the football. Uh, Foles is kind of like a statue back there. He didn't have much of a chance to complete passes behind that O-line. Plus, you could run the, the Bears' run design run plays, RPOs for Mitch, too, that you know you couldn't do in full. So he, he's doing some things in the pocket that are uh, really helping us out a lot. But the, like the play calling, just getting the run game going has been the biggest thing. Is We actually, for the first time all season, have a play-action game, which we didn't have because before this stretch, we were 70 yards a game, 78 yards a game. I think we were last or next to last in the NFL. But over this four-game win streak, we're up to like 139 yards a game on the ground. So just being able to run the football, run play action, run some of those RPOs, it's really what Mitch's game is. Mitch, Mitch isn't a drop back in the pocket and throw the ball 50 times like a Mahomes. So. Was there a concern with the loss of Jordan Howard, especially him going to Philadelphia? And how do you feel like the running game has stepped up? Yeah, I, Montgomery, I always thought Montgomery was the man. We drafted him pretty high. Uh, we traded away all of our first-round picks for the last three or four seasons. So when we draft somebody in the second round, that's kind of like our first-round pick. So I think him uh, coming in, I, I, he just gave me the, the feeling he could always get the job done. Um, it was just getting the offensive line working, finding a scheme that was allowing us a run game to find a run game. But I, there are times where we did miss the power back of Jordan Howard on the goal line. Montgomery's more of a cut and slash kind of guy. So, but I, I thought, you know, 
the run game in the NFL is, I think it's more about your offensive line than it is your running back. I think there at any given time, there are 40 or 50 guys hanging around the NFL as running backs that are capable of having hundred yard games or multi touchdown games with the right offensive line or right scheme combination. When it comes to the prediction for the Super Bowl, who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? And what will the final score be? Kansas City is still, I, I just still think it's tough. It's going to be tough to beat them. Uh, they're just so tough. Mahomes is just, he's magic back there, man. He's something we've never seen before. I can see them being that 10-year dynasty that we just went through with the Patriots. I know it's harder in today's game, but that's just what I see. And uh, the NFC is wide open, but if I had to pick, I, I'm going to say New Orleans. I think Breeze has one last run in him. Uh, to get that team to the Super Bowl. They have a very underrated defense. Kamara's a monster. Thomas is healthy. That gives them a, a top, you know, top tier wide out. So I, I would say Kansas City, New Orleans, and I, I just think Kansas City goes back to back. I'd say 35-31. Kansas City comes out on top again. And I think everybody's expecting it to be a high scoring Super Bowl. And I know, of course, with those two offenses, defense might be at a premium, but you yeah. never know. You never know. Yeah, it was uh was the Rams the Rams Super Bowl a couple of years ago, it was like fourteen to three. So every once in a while, it seems like once a decade, once every eight to ten years, you'll get a defensive game to thrown in there, which I love as a as a defensive line coach and defensive uh, minded coach. I, I kind of love that kind of stuff. So, but you know, the shootouts are more fun for the NFL. It's more fun for the casual fan that just that only tunes in for the Super Bowl or you only tunes in the NFL, you know, a few times a year. Or so. But either way, I think it'll be a great game. I guess, but I, I do think the NFC is wide open. There's not really, I mean, other than whoever comes out of the NFC East, I wouldn't be surprised to see Seattle, New Orleans, or you know, any of those teams push their way there. Russell Wilson's amazing, man. He's he can do more with less. They, they, they've had some offensive line issues, and some of the stuff he does outside of the pocket is just amazing. Who do you think would be a bigger threat for the Chiefs in the AFC? I know that everybody has been picking them as a favorite, but who do you see could give Kansas City some trouble? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Buffalo, just as Buffalo, when they get hot, they can score with them. They're used to playing in the cold weather. The cold weather wouldn't affect them. Uh, other than that, I, I just, I mean, Miami's an up-and-coming team, but I just don't think they're there yet, you know, if they get in. I think Buffalo would be that team that would really could be like have a great AFC championship game with them. Is there any way people can reach out to you to talk about the Bears and and things like that in your predictions? What's the best way people can reach out to you? Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Just uh, search Cam Camp. I'll pop up. Not too many people with my name. I'm, all, I'm not, not much of a Twitter guy. I do have a Twitter handle, but I'm usually more on the just group discussions on Facebook and. Uh, Instagram and that kind of stuff. So if you want to reach out to me and talk to Bears football, link on Facebook and we'll, we'll hook it up. The Los Angeles Rams, one of three teams in the NFC West that are fighting it out for a playoff spot, of course, behind the vision champion Seattle Seahawks. And with me to talk about the Rams is fan Donald Johnson. Well, you know what? Tonight I'm bringing out my inner Kurt Warner. For the playoffs, that's what I need. The inner Kurt Warner is going to be here. And how I became a Rams fan. I played Salvation Army football back in, in the day. And we had helmets like a Rams head. So 
ever since I was a little kid, I thought, man, how cool is that that helmet with the horn on it? So I just grew up liking the Rams. Being from the Maryland area, I mean, I liked the Colts, but it was something about the Rams. It was just when I was I'm I'm a little bit older than your your millennial audience that I grew up in the fearsome foursome and defense and blood and teeth knocked out and kind of things like that. It's kind of crazy uh, how that became on, on, but I liked the Rams since I was a little kid. So I've liked them for around 40 years. To you, what is your most memorable moment as a Rams fan? And how did you deal with the move from Los Angeles to St. Louis and then from St. Louis back to Los Angeles? Well, it's funny. The main reason I stopped listening to the Colts is because they were sold out in the middle of the night. And that's unfortunately in this, in sports, it's all about the money. You know, when they moved from LA, it's uh, St. Louis offered them some money and that's it. They offered more money. So they went St. Louis and then St. Louis wouldn't build them a new stadium. So then they went back to Los Angeles. I know it's part of the business that we unfortunately are going to be involved in, but what are you going to do? I mean, I, for the love, I played football and, and, uh, I love the game. Unfortunately, it's just all about the money now. You know, just like uh, was that Cuba Gooding with Tom Cruise? Show me the money. Show me the money. That's all it takes is a money game. Yeah, and I definitely think that's true. I know you look at it. I mean, it seemed like there was a little more passion when the Rams left from St. Louis than there were when they left from L.A. the first time. But it seems like there is a following in L.A., and and that's a good thing because the last thing you want to do is move to a city that there's a lot of apathy. Well, you know, the thing I see is that when you look at Rams games, when they had actual fans, they played the Cowboys or they played teams like, like the Steelers or somebody. There's more people that like the other teams in the stands or just as many teams, kind of like going to Oriole game every now and then. You, you see more fans from the other side. Just I don't know how you draw the fans there. I know if you you win a championship, you'll fill the the stands up. You know, that's the key is, is winning a championship. To you, is there a the biggest memorable moment as a Rams fan, either in St. Louis or L.A.? I guess in this case, one from the Los Angeles days and one from the St. Louis days. There's got to be a memorable moment for each. Well, the L.A., pre-St. Louis, 1979 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They went in there, big underdogs. They Everybody was going to say Pittsburgh's going to whip their butts, and they played them strong. They played them tough. I mean, that to me, I was just excited they were in the Super Bowl. That was one of those games where, you know, hey, they made it there. And then, of course, when we got to St. Louis, a championship in 1999, Kurt Warner, greatest show on turf. I mean, the receivers they had. If they had that offense with today's defense, I would be talking about Super Bowl this year, <laughs> you know? What were the expectations coming into the season? I know there was a little bit of struggle last year coming off. I guess people could say a Super Bowl hangover from last year. What were you looking to see the Rams do, especially uh, Sean McVay and another year in L.A.? You know, nobody gave the Rams any chance at the beginning of the year. Everybody was like, oh, they'll probably be fourth in the division. So a playoff shot to me, I mean, looking at the roster and looking at the defense, they, you know, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, they got some guys on defense and get after it. I mean, like my man before, the 85 Bears had a heck of a defense. Their offense was all right. 
But man, when you can hold your team under 10 or 15 points every game, that's a very little that you've got to score to win the game when your defense takes charge. And I think that's what kind of defense we have this year. We're the number one defense in the league. But unfortunately, we our offensive expectations are terrible. Was there a point in the season that you felt that the Rams are going to be a lock for the playoffs? Well, they played Tampa Bay. They played them great. They beat them. Then they beat the Bears before the Bears followed down. I mean, they were looking good. They're, they looked like shut down defense and score enough points to win the games. They look really tough. And um, I, at that point, I was like, man, they're looking good. Even the swing of the announcers on the TV were saying, man, maybe the Rams are the team to beat in the NFC. Maybe the Rams are beat. It's not just about New Orleans and, and things like that. You know, strength of schedule has some things to do with it. But I, I just think they have the team. I mean, after seeing the game in Tampa Bay and Chicago, and they just look like the team. They beat Seattle. They beat the Cardinals. I mean, those are the teams that they're going to be struggling, but they played them really, really tough at the beginning of the year. So I was really excited about that. Was there a particular point in the season where you thought the Rams aren't going to the playoffs? The Jets. The Jets. They sucked. They got outplayed. It's not like you look at a game and go, man, they just or terrible. You know, the Jets outplayed them in every facet. Their Jets nose guard, I can't remember his name, just blew the center over every time on the play. He was in the backfield. And it just didn't look like they were prepared for the game. I was kind of disappointed and saying, oh, man, we're going to be fighting for that. But they still had a chance. If they had to beat Seattle, they would have been in first place. I just think they're on a downswing now. and It kind of bothers me a little bit. When you look at the playoff bracket, who do you think the Rams match up the best with in the NFC playoffs? None of the teams bother me. With their defense, they can stay in any game. None, Nobody in the NFC scares me. Green Bay looks good. But if you got a running attack, you can run on Green Bay. And that's the only thing that bothers me on Green Bay is the Rams don't really have a running attack. You know, so they don't even try. They pass, 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 and think about running. I mean, when they had Akers in there, Akers, you know, did good, but then they run three or four times. The other team gets ahead, a touchdown, and they drop the run and start passing. They are not a pass-happy offense. They're not like Green Bay. So, I mean, but I'll play any team in the NFC. Going on to the other side of the coin, who in that NFC bracket maybe scares you as a Rams fan? I think probably Green Bay would be the one that scares me the most. Saints are good, but, you know, the cream rises to the top. You know, they get – Sometimes you play hot. Saints are hot, too. So they're they're looking good. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, all that offense. When you can score 50 points, it's hard for an offense to keep up with them if your defense is not good. they can You can't match up with their offense, then you're done. So probably Green Bay scares me the most. Seeing the turnover on the roster, especially losing players like Gurley and, and some of the wide receivers, what do you think the offensive identity of this team is? I know you mentioned the passing and things like that, but is there a particular identity on offense as opposed to how it is on defense? Everybody knows you got to watch out for Aaron Donald and really all those guys, but what's the best way to describe the offense? I think they put a little bubble around Jared Goff. They do these little read option things and stuff like that. And he does little dump passes and little 20 yard passes. I wish they would open it up a little bit. I wish they would throw the ball downfield more. They may once in every other game, they'll throw a, a 
little Tyler Higby down the middle for 40 yards or something like that or something. They're, they just got golf in a bubble. When they have to pass, when they do that that quick tempo, that's when the offense is clicking. That's what I think. When they stop doing that huddle and they get up to the line and just go, 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 teams can't stop them. But then they start and then they run the clock down to one second before they hike the ball. After a while, it gets frustrating. When you can see and you're sitting back in your armchair quarterback chair and you're looking and saying, man, you, you can kind of tell what they're going to do. Their identity – better be to throw the ball downfield a little bit more than they've been doing. And hopefully Akers will be better. Henderson got hurt yesterday. So they're down to a third guy, Brown. So uh, I don't know how you can identify that. Golf, I was like, man, he's pretty damn good quarterback. But here lately, I'm, I'm losing faith in him. I'm losing faith in what kind of quarterback he is. Man, if we had somebody like Patrick Mahomes on our team being quarterback, or Lamar Jackson – they would be awesome. They've got some weapons. They just got to be able to get to the weapons. I wish we had a, a scramble quarterback. I'd take back in the day my Randall Cunningham and somebody like that. But unfortunately, golf is a pocket passer. And I, I don't think the league is too much of a pocket passer. They're working more towards that scrambling mobile quarterback. Is it more of a thing of just they've seen him enough and they know what he can and can't do? Or is it just that the, he's not being utilized right? Or yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just don't think that they're like Cooper Cuff. Once he has the ball, his open field running ability, breaking tackles, I think it was one or two in the league. I mean, that goes without saying when you've got Devontae Adams and play, people like that that can run routes like crazy. DK Metcalf. And I mean, we're talking Cooper Cuff. They don't get it to him, the ball, as much as they should. A lot of the teams do that little screen play that they're not supposed to do. They run the routes through each other, and then somebody's always open as long as you don't make contact. I just I think they need to spread their offense out a little bit more, and if you get the run game going, then the passing game always works. It always works off of that. So these teams that rely on the pass the whole game, you'll find out won't win Super Bowls. I mean, they won't. If they do, it's going to be 100 to 99, one of these high-scoring games. Looking at the prediction for the Super Bowl, who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? And what will your final score be for that Super Bowl? I'm picking the dark horse. I'm not a Ravens fan because I don't like the Ravens fans, period. But I I like rooting for the Ravens because they're from Baltimore. The Ravens look really good the last couple weeks. And I think the Ravens can beat the Chiefs. And one of the few teams that can beat the Chiefs. So I'm looking at a dark horse Ravens against the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. Chiefs are going down. And I think the score is going to be 34-21. You're one of the uh, few people who have picked a team other than Kansas City coming out of the AFC. Well, you're going to be calling me back saying, man, you were right. I hope it's the Rams, but I think my heart is fading quick. What's the best way people can reach out to you on social media and talk with you a little bit about the Rams. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, DH Johnson, the number two incorporated. Just Facebook, like you said, me and you on Facebook, Donald Johnson. And maybe we'll talk about the wizard sometime. 
one of really the show's favorite guests. He's been on three times and counting this number four, we'll do a full fledged episode number four uh, a little bit down the road. But Dante Finney, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Thank you, man. You, You know, Bucks fan for life, baby. You know, there's so many questions I want to ask you regarding that. I mean, you're down in Florida, close proximity to the Buccaneers. What has that yeah. been like uh, since the move? Have you been able to go to any Buccaneers games? No, man. I'm actually in Miami territory. So they go to a Miami game, and on the radio, it's just Miami, Miami, which is cool, man. And when I first moved here, it was a lot of Jacksonville, too, because I'm on the, the Atlantic side. So it's been cool. Definitely a different vibe than hearing the Ravens and the Giants all the time. But, hey, once Tom Brady hopped in the mix, it's Bucks news everywhere now, right? So, Yeah, that is a very interesting thing, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about before we get into that. How long have you been a fan of the Buccaneers? What drew you to them? Yeah, man, I, I get asked this a lot. I've actually been a fan since eighth grade, and I would love to have some some awesome story. But I really think I just picked my teams in middle school based on color and defense because I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Ohio State Buckeyes heavy. And there was nothing really special about the Buckeyes back then except for they were red and they had a good defense. So I think I just gravitated towards those things. And ESPN played a lot of Warren Sapp, Brett Favre matches and all that good stuff. So. That's what really gravitated me towards it, man, the awesome defense. And that's this is what I like, man. And uh, here we are. Were those the creamsicle days? I know we talked about it before. Was that the no. white or that that's when they went to the pewter and and whatever shade yeah. of red that is? Right, right. Yeah, you, we, yeah we talked about that before. I ain't, We not that old, Earl. There you go, man. But, yeah, they had the ugly pewter. They, they had some good red jerseys, though, when sapping them was, was on top. They had some cool stuff. Like other teams tweaked everything throughout the years, you know? Yeah, and I when I always think of the Buccaneers, I always think of like the Doug Williams colors and like the Trent Dilfer yeah. ones where it, it's the white helmet with the with the Errol Flynn Buccaneer Bruce and the and the orange jerseys. Yeah. That's old man. But yeah, um what is your most memorable moment as a Buccaneers fan? You know, easily you always want to say seeing Chucky win the Super Bowl, right? You know, that's that was always a good visual. You got sapping all them boys celebrating. But like I said, man, I thought about it before. The most just the most memorable things I remember is those battles with the Packers sitting in my kitchen, watching them old games, Warren Sapp, Derrick Brooks, like watching them boys tear up on Brett Favre, man. I guess because my best friend back then was a Packers fan. So seeing that whole thing, man, I really remember those Bucks-Packers games more than anything, yo. Yeah, and I always think it felt so weird seeing them in the uh, NFC Central. I think the realignment probably did them a bit of good because they're the furthest team out when you think of Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota, Green Bay. But now that old rivalry, it it feels weird seeing it again. But now it's the the Panthers, the Falcons, the Saints, those those teams in the division. What were your expectations coming into the year? What were you hoping they were going to do, especially once the news of Tom Brady leaving New England and coming oh, yeah. to Tampa. I mean, I can hate to say it, but I got to be bandwagoning, man. It's a Super Bowl of bus at that point, right? I mean, we had a good team. We got the coach. The only excuse was what? Winston was a turnover machine. What, first player to go 30 and 30, 30 TDs, 30 interceptions, I think. So he went 30-30. You think if you replace that with Tom, you, 
you're going all the way. So Super Bowl, man. And what? They started off five and two, six and two. I got to look at it. They started off pretty hot. When you heard the news that Gronk was coming out of retirement and things like that, did you think that was going to make the offense even more dynamic than it already was? Because they got uh, a lot of weapons and Godwin and Evans and, and things mm-hmm. like that. I didn't know what to think of. It originally felt like a Jason Witten incident. Remember Witten came back for the year? And he scored touchdowns, right? But that's all they used him for. So I thought it was going to be something like that. But to be honest, I think as the weeks have gone on, Gronk has turned up a little bit. So he's been way better than just a Witten. Was there a point in the season that you felt the Buccaneers were going to be in the playoffs 100%? I know, especially with the signing of Tom Brady, that changed yeah. everything. I, I can say honestly, yeah, I, I, man, you know how it is cheering for a team. You never all the way believe. You're always going to feel like something about the bus. But when they're five and two to start the season off, yeah, daggone right. I felt real good about the playoffs. That's easy work. And then where was that point where you were worried about the Bucks making the playoffs, especially as the Saints right. started to come on with and without Breeze and everybody started playing a little closer to the field? Yeah, let's see. We got so before their bye, they won. Let's see, we got one, two. We lost three out of the four games before our bye. And rough look, 38 to three against the Saints. You know, losing like that, it was it started a little ugly. But then we lost to the Chiefs 27-24, and that's a loss, but not too bad, right? They came on strong at the very end to make the score look better than the game was. So it was a little scary there. It was a little scary. They would lost three out of four games before the bye. So it was a little ugly, but record's still at eight and five looking good. What do you think has been the strength of this year's team? <laughs> Not the passing game. <laughs> it's like, no, uh, the run defense, right? Cause so, so before last week, they were ranked number one in rushing defense. I don't want to exaggerate too much, but I'm pretty sure they were number one rushing defense before last week. If not, they're number two right now. So, I mean, the, the the defense, baby. See, people ain't even seeing that because so focused on the offense, but they've been they've been holding people down. To you, on either side of the ball, who do you think has been one of the most surprising players? Surprising players. Oh, man, that's a good one. I know they got some good linebackers. You know who's been the most surprising player? Tom Brady, because he's been slipping. That's why. Because he ain't been the player we all thought he was going to be, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So every everybody else has really played their part. The defense has been good. Running back's good. So really, Tom, man, he's been the talk of the town. Because it's been a surprise. It's been very up and down when we're so used to seeing that consistency. I know you hear about, I guess, the way Bruce Arians addresses Brady's performances. And I don't think it's much different than the way Belichick did uh, in New England. In fact, they always hear the stories of Belichick. You know, if Brady made a mistake, he'd chew him out in front of everybody in practice. So, and, and you know, especially during uh, the screenings. And it doesn't seem like it's much different than what Arians is doing. I mean, I assume it's one of those things that he's going to talk to Brady or he's already talked to Brady and what he's saying to the press isn't any different. I know that Belichick mm-hmm. is a lot more tight-lipped as opposed to Bruce Arians. Mm-hmm. Come on. We all know Bill said some stuff. I don't think Bruce should be doing it in public the way he is, but they talked about that on uh thing was Colin Cowherd. Bruce Arians talked to all his quarterbacks like that. So, I mean, Tom had to know he was getting into. That dude's smart. If he ain't smart, his team is smart. They looked up the record. They looked up what that guy 
you know, past interactions are like, especially with the quarterback. Um, so they knew what they were getting into. Uh, it's, it's nothing, just something to talk about. Old school coaching where you can actually chastise and dig in your players' butts a little bit. It's all right. Yeah, and Arians is, you know, he's coached a lot of guys. I mean, and I think Roethlisberger right at the top. So, I mean, it's, it's carte blanche for him to to go at it with a quarterback again. And it's not out of a, just to embarrass him. It's to say, you know, this is what you need to do. This is improved. There's there's a fine line you, you, between embarrassing. You can't somebody. win, right? Yeah. You, if you don't blame your quarterback, you're babying him. You know, if you call him out in public, you, 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 you're being mean and chastising. You know, so it's just whatever the media want to talk about, you know. Going into the playoffs, who do you think the Buccaneers match up the best with? Oh, man, that's a great one. A lot of the team's strengths, not to say passing is a strength, but a lot of – we got a little good passing teams. No teams really rely on the run. But I was thinking about that, man. Arizona would be a good matchup. They're fourth in rushing. They're down at the bottom, too, so I don't know if they'll actually meet up in the playoffs. But if that was to happen, that would be a good – Matchup: Arizona's fourth in rushing and 18th in passing, so they're not that great. I think the Bucks could hold down the young man, little, little guy. What's his name? I forgot the boy uh, name. Kyle Murray. Kyle Murray hold a little man down. I think that would be an interesting matchup, man. I don't want to see him go against the Saints. I don't want to see him go against the Chiefs, even though we had a good, a good one, and that's a good matchup. But to have to contain Mahomes is too much, man. So, out of all the teams they could possibly see, a little Arizona matchup they could handle. Anybody else is so pass-heavy, I think it's dangerous, yo. When it comes to the Buccaneers, and especially the experience that Brady has, how do you feel that experience helps with that team? I know he's not flashing his rings around all the time, saying this is what we did. You know, sort of like how on the water boy, the head coach at the other school, kept flashing the ring and just saying, hey, I know what I'm doing. Just follow me. How do you feel that experience helps the players, especially those guys who really didn't see a lot of winning prior to that? That's what it's all about, right? Um, You watch sports long enough. Some organizations are just, for lack of a better term, losers, right? No matter who you put on the team, they just – it just won't go through for some whatever reason, right? Cowboys, things like that. Having Tom on your sideline gives you that confidence, right? Like, you know the boy been through it all, man. I think that helps a lot. I think I think Bruce handles a lot of that, Bruce Arians. I think he's a good coach, keeps everybody motivated. Like, this isn't the end of the world, guys. We're going to make it through. But you got Tom and Gronk on your team. You got to believe, right? What do you think about Leonard Fournette's performance this season? I know once he got cut by Jacksonville, he was sort of chomping at the bit. A lot of guys were chomping at the bit to come to Tampa. But what do you feel Fournette's performance has done for this team this season, if at all? I know. So I think he had, what, not the last game, but the two games before that, he had some good games. Before that, nothing. You know, low production, right? But he came on as time went on. None of these running backs are really impressive right now, man. You know, you got Derrick Henry and then everybody else pretty much. Leonard Fournette, I didn't like that move. Didn't like that move. But, I mean, who else are you going to get, right? Yeah, I mean, I think this is sort of a change of scenery thing. Everybody thought, okay, get out of Jacksonville, get out of that purgatory, go somewhere else where the culture should be a lot better, more experienced. Bruce Arians, uh, you know, took took the Cardinals to a Super Bowl. And, again, Tom Brady... What more do you need to say about his resume? But 
Mm-hmm. They just thought that maybe Fournette just needed a change of scheme, change of scenery. And so far, I mean, maybe that's the thing. If things don't work out the way they do this year, maybe that's the next thing. Get a running back, a dynamic running back, or somebody uh, in the draft that, that can really do some damage to sort of take the pressure off the passing game. There isn't any, man. Running backs is few and far between right now. Yeah, I feel like that nowadays they are a bit a dime a dozen, but I mean, sometimes there are some steals. I mean, even if you can find like a a touchdown vultured guy, guy that, you know, less than five yards, he's going to get in it, you know, that might be the thing. You might not need somebody who's going to take over a game like, like you said, Derrick Henry, but somebody or, or, you know, or a Kamara or anybody like that, you just somebody that can just do a serviceable job. Don't turn over the ball and get the yards when you need them. Well, the young boy Jones that we got now, he's taking care of the ball. Yeah, and I think sometimes so. it might be more the everybody wants to see the flash than the sub as opposed to the substance. You know, somebody who's safe and who will who will get you that chain. Yeah, but they won't break the big long runs like a Melvin Gordon or somebody along those lines. Well, you don't see a guy like Jones develop too, because what happens when Jones has a good year next year? He get traded. They need to let that man develop. But Derrick Henry, he he came out of hard to say he came out of nowhere, but he came out of nowhere last year, right? So you got to give time to people to develop, let them stay on the same team, same line, quarterback, coaches. They change them so much, nobody gets that rhythm. So I think we if we hold on to our young man for a little bit, we got we got a chance. When it comes to the Super Bowl prediction, I know it's it's extremely early. Who do you have coming out of the NFC? Who do you have coming out of the AFC? And what do you have as the final score? Yeah, Right. I figured this was coming, right? So, I'm, I, you really want me to get on here and, and go against the Bucks? Come on, man. Bucks going. They're going in. It might be a little bit of a rough, rocky road, but they're going in. Okay? Who we got to worry about? Kansas City on the other side. So, Bucks, Kansas City, man. Got to. Bucks, Kansas City. I ain't going to lie, though. I can't say I can see the Bucks winning. <laughs> Can't say I see the Bucks winning that one too much. Kansas City for the victory, man. We'll go 46-23. And you never know what will happen. I mean, a couple of times I've been wanting to pick Tennessee for sure. Yeah. Ten- I'm, Tennessee, a good team where you can control the ball, man. So w- watch out for Tennessee. Watch out for Tennessee for sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I want to see, though? What would be great? A Bucks ravens game. You know why? Because the Ravens ain't got no running game. So, so, well, no running backs. So I take that back. They got a running game. They don't have any running backs. I feel like that would be a fantastic matchup for the Bucs. That would be some good hometown butt kicking. I would love to see that. Before we wrap this up, I want to give you a chance, opportunity to give a shout out. Do you have any social media uh, tags where people can reach out to you and talk to you and, and things like that? Oh, for sure, man. Definitely everybody hit me on Facebook, Dante Finney, D-O-N-T-A. Type that in, I'll pop up, man, for sure. Hit me on there. If you want to check me out on Instagram, full contact, the number four fun, full contact for fun, man. But Facebook's the place to be. Hit me up on there. The Washington football team, the ex-Redskins, whatever you want to call them, they are fighting for their playoff lives right now in one of the worst divisions in probably NFL history. This team, whoever goes in, is going to be most likely 7-9. and nine. Or worst case, who knows, maybe yep. 6 and 10 in some strange way. Actually, I don't think the math will work out. Somebody's going to be 7-9 going in. That'll be the yep. first team since the Panthers, I believe, under Ron Rivera, 
who went in under 500, and they were 7, 8, and 1, and I think that was about six years ago. But with me, my guest to discuss the Washington football team, the the Redskins, whatever you want to call them, I know is going to be a long time before people uh, will get used to whatever the new name will be. And, of course, here to talk about it is longtime Washington football team fan, Ramel Fields. How are you doing, Ramel? I'm good, man. I'm good. I appreciate you having me, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you for being on the podcast, especially after the craziness that's been going on with the yeah. team and the announcement of them releasing Dwayne Haskins, who was the 15th pick in last year's draft. And it's very crazy with everything that's been going on that you would hope something else other than his play and him getting cut, not even a week before the season ends. Yeah, before and the end of the season. Yeah, it's a very unusual circumstance, especially you never see anybody get cut that badly unless yeah. there's some guy off the street or lower tier player. But to be the guy starting and then get cut the next day, not even finish out the whole season, that's pretty disappointing and, and, and pretty sad. Hmm. Yeah, I think obviously uh, Sunday, what well, was a Sunday night at the strip club? You know, that incident, I think that was pretty much the beginning of the end. We uh, we know he's had some, you know, off-field issues. But, I mean, like, what Redskins fan would tell you that, you know, this was coming, especially, you know, when we drafted him in the first round and, you know, he had such a bright future and then he just pretty much imposed on himself. And you, you think, let's give him a year or two, you know, to uh, learn the playbook, build leadership qualities, and I, I just feel like he never got there. And for them to release him, you know, a week, before the season is over, it tells you a lot about, you know, how bad the situation had become. And I believe it just, in the end, it was a distraction to the team and it was something that we didn't need, especially when we have a, a game Sunday night that is pretty much control our own destiny uh, to get into the playoffs. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's just one of those situations. How did you become a fan of Washington and how long have you been a fan? I've been a fan pretty much as long as I can remember. I'm 04, 03, I believe, back to Mark Brunel days with Clinton Porter, Santana Moss, you know, Champ Bailey, all those guys. I remember playing uh, Madden 2004 with the Redskins. So pretty much as long as I can remember, my grandma used to always have the games on Sundays. We would go to church and then, you know, by the time we got home, the game was on and that's just what we did. And it went from there. And it's, it's actually interesting because my grandfather is actually a Cowboys fan. So, they go back and forth a lot on the daily, especially, you know, this year where, you know, it's so wide open. You have no idea who's going to win. And as bad as the division is, it's been de- it's definitely been nerve wracking. It's been a roller coaster year for sure. Looking back in your memory, some of the good times or even some of the not so great times in Washington football team history as a, in your memory as a fan. What is the biggest one that sticks out to you? We haven't been exactly, you know, the best over the past, you know, decade, decade and a half. I think we made the playoffs once or twice. I think 15 and 05 was when we made the playoffs. Uh, 05, we made the playoffs. But uh, I think most memorable would be I felt that when we had RG3 and uh, that year we looked really good. And I felt like we were, you know, on our way to getting over the hump. And then, you know, he gets injured and then he plays through the injury and gets injured beyond repair for his situation with the team itself. Just that, it sucks, man, because when you see your team and your team has been, you know, subpar for so long, you feel good about, you know, how good your team is playing. And then, you know, it's pretty much true from you because your quarterback was your star player. So I'd say probably that uh, that year would probably be the most memorable for me. 
And I always think about that, and I've always told people, so rolling in a, your quarterback's career, especially mm-hmm. with all the talk that Shanahan was going to quit before they started going on that winning streak. Plus, if you thought Kirk Cousins was going to be the guy, why yeah. not bench RG3 up 14 nothing, yeah. and then take your chances with Cousins? That way, Cousins, for good or for bad... Still could have been capable. He showed it against mm-hmm. that one game that RG3 was out against Cleveland. And Kirk Cousins, he, I mean, he turned out to be a good quarterback. And I think uh, if you look back on it from an organization standpoint, a lot of things could have been done differently. Obviously, wanting to win is is definitely, you know, at the top of, you know, the goals. But player safety and especially keeping a player healthy and getting him to the point where he can, you know, go back on the field and perform without re-injuring himself, especially in that situation, because I feel like that that derailed his career for the most part. Because I think he had, you know, a few years that he would have gave us that were, you know, in his prime. And I think we could have been to the playoffs and possibly been a Super Bowl contender at some point. What's unique about that division is that nobody has won that division two years in a row since the tail run of the Eagles four consecutive division titles in 2004. Ever since 05, no one has won it in back-to-back years. Yeah, it's it, it's been a really weird situation. I mean, like just like like I said, like this year, man, you, you just never really know. It's one of those divisions where uh, a team can be clearly better than the other team in the division, and you know it can still be an upset. And nobody would bat an eye just just because it's so wide open. But yeah, my nerves right now. We've had two weeks here now where we could have just won the game and sealed up the division title. But Sunday night, it's gonna be fun. I mean, I and if we lose, it's just one of those things, man. We're we're so as Redskins fans, we're just used, you know, to the disappointment. But I mean, we're we're close. I believe we're close to getting over the hump. I believe uh, Rivera's brought in definitely a, a a better culture for the team. So I think we're going in the right direction. What were the expectations coming in? I know everybody was thinking this is a rebuild year, especially yep. after the disaster of Bill Callahan and Jay Gruden coaching. Really, basically two different halves of the season. What were you thinking once the Rivera hire was made and what were expectations? I know that you can see sometimes the delusional Redskins fan base will say, okay, we're going to playoffs, but yeah. this team was far from anywhere near close to be competitive. This is a bit of a surprise. Well, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's, especially in the preseason, the preseason rankings had us actually bottom, I think, last in the division. It started off with the Cowboys and Eagles, obviously, uh, being the favorites to win the division. And then the Giants just come out of nowhere, you know, midseason and, and make a push for it. So um, you just <laughs> you never really know. I didn't expect Dwayne Haskins to, you know, like I said, implode on himself. We've had three different quarterbacks for now, if you count Sunday. So to say I had high expectations, I would be lying to you. I'm definitely impressed with where we are. Um, but I, like I said, I do think we're moving in the right direction. I think Sunday is going to be a, a big step in continuing to move in that right direction and uh, push over to playoff drought. And we'll just go from there, man. We'll get in the playoffs and we'll see what happens. Um, our defense is fantastic. So we've just found ways to win games to still be in the hunt. And here we are. So we, we just got to seize the moment. Was there a point during the season you're thinking they're making the playoffs? When we beat the Steelers, when we beat Pittsburgh. I felt really good about that. You know, you see a lot of different things in that game. Um, the offense playing well. The defense really, really came out that game. And I think that's when we really solidified those those young guys up front. I mean, we've been building that defensive line for years now. 
like from from sweat to young to to pain to Allen. I mean, we've we've been building that. Even Kerrigan, I remember when we drafted Kerrigan, and you know, I I, I saw seen a bunch of Redskins fans, you know, saying, "Oh, why are we drafting defensive players?" And that I well, here here it is, it's paying off. Now we just need to put something on the other side of the ball and help the defense out because we're going to limit people point wise if we play, you know, how we're supposed to play. And that was a stark contrast compared to a few years ago where they kept loading up on offense and they couldn't get the defensive side settled. Yep. And then by the time they did, it was a bunch of busts, Bakari Rambo, Philip yep. Thomas, David Amerson, all those guys. And now it's finally paying off again, competent front office, competent coaching. Our secondary is what I'm most proud of. We, you know, shored that up a little bit on the back end because our, our front line had never really been, you know, the issue we've been you know, building blocks, like I said, building that up over a few years now. But the, the secondary is really where you need help. They always say defense wins championships. So I think you start with a good base on defense like we have, and then, you you know, you build from there. Was there a point you were concerned that this team's not making the playoffs? Yep, yesterday. I actually really thought we were going to win the game yesterday. And that's probably selfish of me to think that, but I thought we, you know, we were going to win that pretty handily, but you never know. So right now I'm kind of I'm feeling it, like I said, because we control our own destiny. We win, we're in, we lose, and try again next year. So yesterday was definitely a point where I said, okay, we got to take care of business or, you know, we're going home. And we, we've we had it for two weeks now. So it'll be highly disappointing if we do let that playoff spot slip. If they make the playoffs, who's the team do you feel like Washington matches up the best with? You know, it's funny you asked that. I think we match up well, you know, with, with, with most teams because our front, you know, four can rush the passer. And I think anytime you, you can put pressure on a quarterback, whether it be Brady, Mahomes, Rodgers, you know, I, I think you have a better chance of, of beating them. You, you've seen over the past couple of weeks, teams have started to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And, you, you know, you see still finds ways to win games, of course. But, you know, you can see how much pressure on a quarterback can really affect how he plays. And it evens the playing field for sure. Looking in the NFC playoff bracket, who's the one team you do not want to face? Um, well, the Packers look, look great. The Packers, the Bucks look really good. And obviously the Saints, you know, if Drew Brees is healthy and, and playing how he wants to play, I feel bad, you know, for the other conference, because I mean, the Chiefs, who wants to see the Chiefs in the playoffs? Answer me that. Who wants to see the Chiefs? So on our side, I think the Packers are definitely going to be, you know, the team to beat. Did you think at one point that Haskins was going to be the future and to you, what do you think really the biggest issue was in his brief tenure here? Most quarterbacks, I mean, even Heath Schuler got three years. Gus Farrat, mm-hmm. even before Gus Farrat really basically took the job from him. And you look mm-hmm. at all the other guys who were drafted. RG3 was here for at least five years. And even though four of those years he actually played, it is a alarming thing to see. Especially that pick was not made by the previous regime. That was not made mm-hmm. by Rivera. That was made by the owner, and that's been an issue about Dan Snyder's interference with this uh, franchise. You draft a quarterback in the first round, you obviously want to get some production out of him. I just think the the issue, I believe, is it just comes down to maturity. There's no reason you should be going to the strip club. I mean, without a mask, besides that point, there's no reason you should be going out to the club after you just got beat and you played terrible. I think all of the off-field issues that he's had, you saw in the beginning of the season, he actually dropped down pretty far in the depth chart, I believe, behind a practice squad guy. And I mean, uh, Rivera is a great coach, so he he wouldn't do anything like that, you know, for for no reason. So I think we kind of that kind of foreshadowed what we would see, you know, this week. Um, Maturities, like I said, is a big thing. I just 
think he's just young and some players just don't translate well to that lifestyle. They can't handle it. They don't have the discipline to know what to do and what not to do and when not to do it. So um, I just think in the end, maturity definitely uh, was his downfall. Do you see in him making another NFL squad? I mean, there have been guys who've gotten second chances even this bad. I mean, Ryan Mallett was on a couple of teams, and that's who I compare Haskins to, Ryan Mallett with talent. That's basically the best way that I could describe him. Maybe Mallett's not in the league now, but. If you look at his college highlights, there's definitely potential there, and I do believe he'll, you know, be picked up by another team. But um, somebody in his corner, whether it be his parents or whoever's in his ear, has to let him know that he has to mature up a little. And like I said, I believe he'll get picked up. He has the ability, the potentials there. I believe if he um, focuses on the playbook, because he in the offseason he was posting, you know, his workout videos and, and all this and all that, but it didn't translate to the field. So he just got to get back in the gym, get to it, and take advantage of the next opportunity he gets if he gets one. Yeah, I heard a lot of people saying Jamarcus Russell, but the problem was this. <laughs> Haskins came in shape. Yeah. Haskins has the ability. Yeah. Maybe it's just he didn't work hard. But other than that, I, I even used a comparison. I saw a lot of Redskins, Donovan McNabb, where short hopping passes didn't work mm-hmm. hard, wasn't listening to coaches, even though people were saying Haskins improved his work, but it wasn't good enough to the point where, you know, they could even think of him as a starter. Yeah, I believe uh, a KD had a, a a nice quote. It was, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I think that that's perfectly suiting for this situation because you kind of get into that thing where you're so athletic and you do this and you do that. And congrats for everything he did, you know, at Ohio State. And it was, it was great. But you have to continue to build on that, especially in the NFL. These are grown men. People in the defense get paid millions of dollars to stop you from doing what you want to do. So you have to continue to improve. You know, you, ha- you have to know the playbook. I mean, you have to be a leader. And I just feel like he, he wasn't a leader. And that all comes back to maturity at the end of the day. Looking at Super Bowl predictions, who do you have coming out of the NFC? Who do you have coming out of the AFC? I believe we're going to have a Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl. And I believe that the Chiefs are going to repeat because I just don't think that Green Bay defense is going to be enough to contain Mahomes. We've seen, you know, Mahomes make you know, mistakes in the Super Bowl. We've seen him be down 24 and nothing to Houston. Um, he was down to the Titans. I mean, uh, the whole team as a whole is just, you know, so resilient. They've been the favorites all year. I don't see any reason it would change now. Um, just because they don't look as good, you know, as they have, they're still finding ways to win games. And at the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to win games. So um, I believe it'll be, you know, Chiefs Packers. And I believe Chiefs will come out on top 31 to 21 would be a final score for me. And 52 points total in a, in a Super Bowl, that's, I mean, a lot of people, people are thinking it's going to be like 90 points and it's just going to be a track meet. But you never know. Once it comes to the playoffs, yeah. everything changes. All it, all it takes is one, you know, one big turnover, one big mistake, and it'll slow the pace of a game down. And then, you know, you got to stop. You got to think. And it's, you know, it's time to play football. It's not just sling it around the yard. And if one team, you know, one or the other gets a touchdown or two lead, I think they'll start running the ball. Aaron Jones is a great running back. Le'Veon and Hopefully uh, Edwards Hilaire is, you know, healthy at that point. So they both have decent running games. I believe Le'Veon is just a tad better for that situation, ground and pound at the end of the game. But, you know, hey, both of them, they got a one-two punch. Dylan from the Packers, he was looking pretty good. And I think they have a good backfield in depth. So it's going to be a good game regardless. Um, Both of those teams are hot right now going into the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. What are ways people can reach out to you on social media? And and if people just want to, 
you know, discuss Washington and what's left of this season and really how can people reach out to you? I'm actually in a lot of uh, talk groups for the Redskins. IG, Twitter is O'Malley underscore Inc. I-N-C. That's really all I have, man. I'm not on too much. I don't get on too much. Try to stay out of the way for the most part. I'm on my phone a lot. I'm more of a scroller than a poster, so I'm not on there as much to post just to, you know, see what's going on, just to keep myself informed. The NFC West champion Seattle Seahawks, they are going into the playoffs hoping to get either the number two or number three seed and a very competitive division as well. I know a lot of people weren't assuming it was going to be that tough and, and didn't expect the, the Seahawks to win the division, especially after San Francisco won not only the division, but the conference as well and represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. And here with me to talk about this year's Seahawks team is Jeremy Metzger, who a lot of you guys may not know, is my nephew as well. And I'm glad to have you on. This is the second nephew I've had on the podcast to talk about their team. And I'm glad that you're here, Jeremy. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. First thing I wanted to ask you, being a fan of the Seahawks, what led you to become a Seahawks fan and how long have you been a fan? So I've been a fan ever since I knew what football was because it's my I was born in Seattle. And so I'm a very loyalistic person. And so that's where I was born. So that's the team I had because when I was first introduced to football, I lived in Idaho and Idaho doesn't have a team. And so I went to the next best, which was my home team. And I've been a fan ever since. In your memory, what is the greatest moment in Seahawks history that you can remember? So the time that I can remember was... Of course, our 2014 win against the Broncos, which is still the highest score spread. I think that would be the word. It was 43 to 8. We absolutely blew them out of the water. And that was just such a fun Super Bowl to watch. You know, just seeing us play them like they were a high school team. It was just absolutely amazing. You think about that team, especially how it was built, a bunch of young guys. Pete Carroll had his experience coaching at USC. He mm-hmm. sort of had his finger on the pulse of a lot of the young guys, and, and it really looked like it benefited them early on. To see them build from the ground up, especially when you look back at the Seahawks, aside from like the, the brief run they went to the Super Bowl under Mike Holmgren, it, it seems like mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of consistency until Pete Carroll got there. Yes. Yeah, I agree. What were your expectations coming into the season? I know that the biggest thing is that the NFC West initially was going to go through San Francisco until it didn't. And what did you feel like the Seahawks did well? And what did you feel like was the biggest, I guess, add to the roster? So for me, when I was first getting into the season, I was really excited it, uh, because it was DK's second year and he's been improving a lot over the offseason. He improved a lot with working with Russell and Tyler Lockett. And so I was really excited to see that. And I was also excited to see our defense now that we had gotten Jamal Adams. And I was expecting us to probably get in either as a wild card or third or fourth seed. I was hoping more for third or fourth just because of how our defense built and how our offense is. And I think our biggest add to the team in season was Dunlap. He really helped us with our uh, pass rush defense, and he's been a great addition to our line. Um, I think off season it was definitely Jamal Adams, of course, because he's been balling out all season. Um, I think he hasn't been given nowhere near as much credit as he should be. Was there a particular point where you were one hundred percent certain 
that the Seahawks were getting into the playoffs? I'd say about three games ago. We had a few games where we lost, and that was really big bummer. You know, a couple that we lost by a lot, but most of our games that we've lost this season have been pretty dang close. It's been down to a field goal or a foul. And so I've been pretty secure in believing that we were we were able to make it this whole season. And so the time I felt that we were just down and getting it was when our defense started actually having a plan with how we were going to play and just actually going through and accomplishing uh, what our plan is as a defense. Was there a time you were concerned that they weren't going to make the playoffs? I know especially it was a three-team race at a point between Seattle and the Rams and the Cardinals, but at, at that at any point did you feel like that the n- luck was going to run out? No, no, I didn't feel like the luck was going to run out at all. There are some times I was like, man, if we if we if we don't keep up what we're doing, we could definitely fall quick. Um, because a lot of times the Seahawks will do absolutely amazing the first six games and then they'll fall off for a little bit and they'll either just do horrible the rest of the season or they'll get back up in a couple games and start balling out like we did with our 2014 season. And so I believed throughout that that we are going to just get back up because of the players we have and the chemistry they have and the coaching staff. How big of an improvement has it been for DK Metcalf? I know everybody's going to remember him running down that interception and and everything else. But to you, how big and how important has he been to the success of this team? So I think he's actually one of the biggest and most important players right now because we've got Tyler Lockett, who's absolutely amazing. And then we've got DK, who's really good at being just a really aggressive player. And as the Seahawks, our defense has always been a really aggressive defense. But our offense is is normally, except for our running backs, haven't been very aggressive. And so when we got DK Metcalf and he was able to push people around like they're nothing, I was really excited to finally have a wide receiver where he can, where no one can guard him physically. And I think his biggest improvement have been his routes. His routes have improved insanely from when he became a rookie. The whole offseason, he was working with Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett to improve his route running. And I think he has done an amazing job at improving his route running. And his hands have just gotten a lot better at keeping that ball together. Looking at the playoffs, the Seahawks are in. There's no doubt about that. Who do you think the Seahawks match up best with in the NFC? So I think the best match for us would be Green Bay, even though, of course, we're, we're kind of a rivalry between the two of us. They took us out last year, and um, hopefully that doesn't happen again. I don't think it will because our team's playing very well. And if we keep the momentum going, we can definitely beat them. But I think that's our best match is with them. That's going to be the game that decides who's going to the Super Bowl is us and the Packers. Who's the team that, as Seahawks fans, you guys might be a bit worried about in the NFC? What about New Orleans? I know that might be a team that you might see maybe in the next round because eventually somebody, either it's Green Bay or Seattle or whoever wins the matchup between the East winner and, and their wild card are going to have to probably face New Orleans. I think we'd be good against New Orleans. I, it'll definitely, of course, be a struggle because they're an amazing team. But I really do think if, if our team keeps the momentum going and our defense keeps pushing hard because the past few games, our defense have been, has been flawless, especially our past game against the Rams, putting them only at eight points. I think we've done an amazing job. And I think that against the New Orleans, that we'll be able to push through and get through that game. Just looking at what's been a factor 
overalls at this success, especially in a season where there has been a different training camp, no preseason. Being able, it looks like uh, that really Seattle's had a lot of stuff break their way. Do you feel that's been the case or, or has it just been something where, again, they've had to earn everything that they've got? Yeah, so I think the main reason that our team has been together really well and have had a pretty low amount of injuries compared to other teams. I think the big reason is because of Russell Wilson. He is really good at it during the off season, working with every player he can to improve them. And during the off season, even with COVID, he of course worked with them a lot less people together at once and had masks on and all that, but he was working with everyone to improve them because he knew everyone else wasn't able to practice as a team. And most people weren't practicing at all. But he knew that if their team had no practice, that they would be in the same spot as everyone else. And so he wanted to practice so he could be doing better than everyone else. And I think that's a big reason of why our team didn't fall as much as a lot of other teams did. And as you mentioned, Russell Wilson, to have that stabilizing force, he's very versatile. Not only is he a pocket passer, he can scramble if he needs to, but doesn't overly rely on it. How important is it to have someone who has both abilities? You look at a team like Tampa Bay where Tom Brady's there, but he's not a mobile threat. He's not going to run. He's going to be pretty much in the pocket and could be a sitting duck. Yeah, I think really important to have someone who can throw the ball accurately and far and also can scramble a little. I think one of the best things that I don't think any other quarterback has on Russell Wilson is his scrambling ability. If, if he's got two defenders running up on him, he can get out of there somehow. I don't know how he does it, but he, he's able to just get out of the way and throw the ball accurately to a player or run. He's really good at just getting away from defenders. And this season, he's gotten sacked a little more than he usually does. Um, and I think that's just because he hasn't had as much practice as he usually does because he's usually practicing every day year round. But he he's definitely amazing at scrambling and i think that's just one of the things that nobody does as well as he does looking at the super bowl prediction who do you have coming out of the afc who do you have coming out of the nfc and what will the final score be and why so i think that casey's gonna come out on top just because they've been playing really well and um, they've they ha- went to the Super Bowl last year and won, of course. So now that their whole team has gone to the Super Bowl and everyone there knows how to play in the playoffs, you know, a lot of times teams will do amazing through the normal season, but they haven't been to playoffs in a while. And so they aren't used to playing with the best of the best teams back to back and just getting beaten up. And so I think they're definitely going to push through. Um, and I think it's either going to be for the NFC. It's either going to be, the Seahawks or it's going to be Green Bay. That is because Green Bay has been playing really well and I think they will definitely be able to beat the Saints and I think that the Seahawks will be able to beat the Saints. So I think those two teams, it's going to be between us and Green Bay. And I think the score is going to be very close. I'm guessing if it's Green Bay, I think Green Bay is going to come out on top by three points, maybe a touchdown. I would say Casey would probably get 21 points. And then um, Green Bay would probably get 24, maybe 30. 
possibly. And if it's with the Seahawks, I think it's going to be down to the same thing, really close by a field goal or a touchdown. I don't think this this Super Bowl is going to be a crazy Super Bowl when it comes to point uh, differences. I think it's going to be really close. And I think it really is going to depend on the defenses. I mean, most Super Bowls depend on the defense, but I think that that the NFC has a better defense overall compared to KC. What are ways people can reach out to you, talk to you about the Seahawks, uh, catch you on social media if possible? Yeah, so people can reach out to me on Instagram um, at my name, just Jeremiah Metzger. That's J-E-R-E-M-I-A-H-M-E-T-Z-G-E-R. That's pretty much the only place people can reach me because that's the only thing I'm ever on if I'm on. So, yeah. The New Orleans Saints. I am glad to talk about the Saints with longtime Saints fan Inaka Bitek. Thank you so much for being on the show. I made it through pronouncing <laughs> your name right, but I couldn't get out. Thank you for being on the show. No problem. No problem, man. <laughs> glad to be here. I- I'm glad you're able to take time out of your busy schedule. And I know, of course, this has been a bizarre year for everybody. So that's why I say I'm very appreciative of people being able to take time out of their schedule how long have you been a fan of the saints and what led to you being a fan of the saints what was the the big attraction to the saints i became a Saints fan in 2006 and the reason was because coming out of 2006 they drafted my favorite college player which was reggie bush so i when reggie bush became a saints fan right there and then prior didn't even have that I love watching like Michael Vick, Edron James, Brian Westbrook, Peyton Manning. I mean, I can go on, but like I didn't have a favorite team. But like when Reggie Bush got drafted, I was like, all right, this 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 will be the year that I'm gonna pick a team and I'm gonna stick with them. And and it was the Saints because they had drafted my favorite college player at the time. To you, what is your biggest memory as a New Orleans Saints fan? Was it them coming back from after Katrina? Was it the Super Bowl win? Uh to you, what stands out the most? Of course, it has to be the Super Bowl win. The first that we ever got, it was definitely the Super Bowl win. I mean, we've had many memorable moments, but like that Super Bowl win to me, it just sticks to me the most out of everything else. Going into the season, what was your expectations for the Saints? I know there was, it's a weird season, no training camp, no real yeah. uh, way to get everybody engaged and everything. But to you, what were you expecting out of the Saints? Coming into the season, I expected the Saints to have one of the top three offenses, a top 10 defense, be able to make it to the playoffs with a 12 and four record, go to the championship and then face the Chiefs. And that was my prediction going into the season that doing the Super Bowl will be Saints versus Chiefs. Was there a point in the season that you felt no, this is a no-doubter. New Orleans is going to the playoffs, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. When we had came off a two-game losing, we, came, we, we lost to the Raiders, and then we lost to Green Bay, and then we went and won five games straight, and then we had beat the Bucks 38-3. to And that's when I was like, you know what? We're definitely playoff bound, you know, to, to come off two losses and then go ahead and win five games straight and then beat at that time, the Bucks, which who were, were I believe like a top four team during that time, and and then that's when I was just like, yeah, we're definitely going to be playoff bound. 
Was there a time you were concerned that they were going to struggle and make the playoffs? Oh, yeah. When we lost Drew Brees to the, to the, or the when he had the rib injury, it, I just felt like our offense was going to hit a decline and we was going to lose a lot of games while he was out. But we were able to win a few games until Drew Brees was able to come back, you know. So that actually kind of surprised me because I was like, man, we're about to lose. We're about to lose like the next four or five, six games with Breeze out. Um, And unfortunately, we didn't. And that kind of kept our playoff hopes alive. So that was a good thing. I know there are a few things swirling around the season. Kamara and wanting the extension. Michael Thomas. Did those things end up becoming distractions? Because eventually it seemed like they went away, even though Thomas missed some time with injury. But Kamara looks pretty much like a man who's possessed even though he got paid yeah <laughs> i mean it didn't really seem like a just distraction only because and i'll say this because when i brought it up to like a couple of people they were like what are you talking about i'm like oh you don't know about it so it, to me that let me know that it really wasn't that big of a deal or that big of a distraction that was going on within the team and within outside of football itself like, people really, like, didn't know about it unless you had to be, like, a really big Saints fan to understand, like, yeah, you know, they're having uh, contract discussions and stuff, which I still think Kamara is going to stay there for, like, maybe another, you know, three, four years, and then Tom is maybe another two years. Looking in the playoffs, who do you feel like the Saints match up best with in the NFC? And the NLC, oh, Green Bay, for sure. Green Bay, for sure. You know, to me, I feel like our biggest threat is them. Every other team I really don't see has a threat. I mean, even though it's it could be any given Sunday, you know, anything could happen. But to me, the biggest threat is Green Bay. I feel like if we're able to get to the game against Green Bay and beat them, that for sure is going to give us the momentum going to the Super Bowl to face whoever's going to win out of that conference. Most likely it's going to be the Chiefs. But anything can happen. But to me, Green Bay is the biggest threat to us in the playoffs. Who's the team that, honestly, that you, you think might make some noise that could upset a few teams in the NFC? Um, Maybe Seahawks. Yeah, I don't see like any other team out of the NFC that's like really dangerous other than Green Bay and then Seahawks. That's all I see. Besides Saints, I'll say the Seahawks. That's really going to maybe like shock the football world. A lot of people are downplaying Tampa Bay. A new swagger came to them once uh, the quarter, the change at quarterback was made and bringing in Brady. And that's yeah. very interesting because it's funny how he'll still get talked about even when they aren't the best team in the NFL. Right. They could be a shocker. Go ahead and, and, and beat the teams, even beat us, win the NFC championship game, and then go into the Super Bowl. Because, you know, this again, that's Brady. You know, Brady has been here before. Uh, he is a championship player. You know, Brady has his regular season mindset, then he has his playoff mindset when it's, when it's go time. Looking at the injury to Breeze and, and him missing a time with the broken ribs, how did Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill fill in during that time? What is it that they do differently than Drew Breeze? Of course, there's not much passing 
with Taysom Hill and uh, when Jemais Wilson comes in, it's like they try to pass the ball, but like he's only throwing for like 100 yards, maybe like 87 yards or something like that. And then with Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill would throw for like 67 yards, but he'll rush for like 95 or even over over 100 yards. So it, it's kind of like they tried what Sean Payton trying to do is like he tries to like I guess disguise that we're not passing a lot. But by running a lot, but yet adding a few passing plays that those quarterbacks are able to make. Because you can tell that certain passing plays are designed for Hill or designed for Winston. And then when Breeze is in, it's like a whole different scheme for the offense. So I think that's one reason why we're able to win without Breeze with minimal you know, passing yards and stuff. Because, you know, Sean Payton had designed the offense with Breeze out. So that'll fit Hill and that'll fit Winston. Do you feel this is a precursor of a foreshadowing of what it's going to look like, life without Drew Breeze for good, when he eventually decides to hang it up? I think this would be Drew Breeze' final year, <laughs> to be honest. I think this is this is his final year, and he's going to hang it up. And he'll probably follow the... Like the same path that Peyton Manning did, you know, going to broadcasting, doing like pregame talks, and then going into like talking about certain plays that teams run and the impact of certain players on teams. And when he retires, we're really going to see like what Drew Brees' mindset during his time playing for the Saints as a quarterback. And we're going to see the type of reads he was making and what he felt that what defenses was bringing towards him. Looking at the prediction for the Super Bowl, who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? And what will the final NFC. score and why? <laughs> and why? NFC, I have to go with that because that's my team, the Saints. Uh, AFC, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Super Bowl, final score, I'll say will be 47-45. If we win, it'll be 47-45. If they win, it'll still be 47-45. It's going to be an odd-scoring game for sure. It might it might even go into the 50s, to be honest. <laughs> it might even go to the 50s. <laughs> what do you think the over-under will be for missed field goals? Because it, it might come down to a field goal attempt if it's, if it's yes. not going to be that close. Yes, definitely. Because I feel like with the Chiefs, how their offense is, there's really no stopping them. They're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to put up points. And it's Whoever faces them, your mindset has to be, oh, we're trying to stop this guy or trying to stop this guy or to beat them. No, your mindset should be we should match them up in points. That's the only way. Match them up in points. We have to beat them at their own game and put and putting up points. Before we wrap this up, I wanted to know if people wanted to reach out to you, you know, talk to you about your picks, talk about the Saints. What's the best way people can reach out to you mm-hmm. on social media? Of course, they can find me on Facebook. Just type in my name and knock a B-Tech, S-E-N-A-K-A-B-E-T-E-C-K. On Instagram, you can find me at B-Tech1. That's B-E-T-E-C-K and the number one. I'm on Snapchat as well. And that's B-Tech5, B-E-T-E-C-K, and it's number five. And definitely, you guys got to follow me on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just look me up and find me up on YouTube. I'm on there. Theran Dennis, who is a diehard Green Bay Packers fan, probably one of the most diehards that I know, and welcome back. Of course, you're pretty much not only a friend to the show, but family to the show. 
Well, thanks for having me, cuz. <laughs> so what made you be a fan of the Packers, and how long have you been a fan? Well, thanks, thanks to you and Eddie. <laughs> I, I didn't really know, know much about football, you know, until y'all educated me, y'all enlightened me. And, well, at the time, you know, Brett Favre, he was the man. Uh, I didn't really have a team. Uh, I didn't know anything, like, at all. I didn't know anything about the former Redskins team, now the Washington football team, and definitely know anything about the Niners. So I guess I kind of figured, well, this guy, he seems exciting to watch, you know, Favre. He's the man, he's the goat, you know, he broke my heart there uh, for, for a little stretch, but, you know, he has since redeemed himself, uh, at least in the eye of the cheesehead. You were, you were already the Washington football team fan, and Eddie was following the Niners, and I was like, well, uh, why not the Packers, why not this team, you know? You're young, you don't know anything, and, well, you know, growing up in Newark, Maryland, you, you feel uh, years away from the nearest metropolis or big city, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's how it happened, and I just pretty much stuck with them ever since, and I guess I was 9, 10. There's really no logical, I guess I don't think that's the most logical thing, but, you know, fan is, is anything but. What was your most memorable Packers moment? <laughs> 4 <from> 26. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Damn it, it still stinks. Uh, well, that definitely comes to mind. Bostick, Brandon Bostick. <laughs> From the NFC Championship, uh, was it, I guess what, five or six years ago now? And then, of course, beating the Steelers in that championship. Uh, I guess, yeah, it was 10 years ago, right? It was uh, 10 seasons ago. That was pretty cool. And outside of success of, you know, in the season, you can forget the Hail Marys, you know. I think uh, Aaron has, what, a total of three of them now? No, no, he has more than that. He's got like five or six of them. I don't know. I, I lost count, but I mean... Who can forget those, you know? Expectations coming into the season. I know you talked about year two of Rodgers and LaFleur. What do you feel like they could have improved on? I think just the rhythm of the game offensively. I think um, Aaron, he's still learning LaFleur's system. Because, I mean, we're only year two. But I feel like LaFleur, he has more in store as far as his playbook is concerned. But it's taken a little while for, and I feel like he's, at least exceeded my expectations this year for Rodgers to learn the floor system and then for LaFleur to really gauge how great Aaron is and to know what buttons to push and when to back away, let number 12 do his thing. I was expecting that and it's been good to see that improvement and it was kind of cool to sort of redeem ourselves, albeit it's a different Niners team this season. Because they still have Salah as their, as their D coordinator. So that's still the same defense that terrorizes in the NFC Championship early in the year. And it was kind of cool to see us overcome that. And that just showed me that whatever happened in the past is in the past, man, you know. And they're at a point now where they can get over these bump in the road and just keep them moving. It's been pretty cool to see. Was there a point in the season you felt the team was going to just cruise to the playoffs? Yeah, before the bye. Before that stinker in Tampa Bay. But yeah, yeah, prior to that, I mean, yeah, we're rolling. I mean, at least we've been spoiled in the uh, Rodgers era. Just assume that we're going to win the NFC North every season. As long as he's at the helm. So I was already expecting us to get into playoffs by that. But yeah, before the bye, I could tell that at the very least, we would seed if we didn't win the North. 
Was there a point you were worried they weren't going to make the playoffs? I know Chicago got off to a hot start as well. Did that play any caution into Green Bay's playoff chances in your mind? No, because they're Chicago. They're the Bears. I'm just thinking about them benching Trubisky at 3-0. Like, they were kind of coming into the season unsure about their, at least their prospects as far as having their franchise quarterback. You know, there's some uncertainty there. So I didn't think their early on success was legit <laughs> in a way. And honestly, because most of uh, most of we tease heads assume that we're going to win the NFC North every season, I don't really pay too much attention to the other teams. Who do you feel like you match up the best with in the NFC playoffs? Mm. Well, the Saints. With or without Breeze? Doesn't matter. So any team that's not of the physical ilk, like I don't think we match up with the Vikings, even though I just finished bragging about us winning the NFC North easily. Uh, the Vikings, they, they rough us up pretty pretty good. The Bucks. Would the NFC East winner give you guys problems? I No, I don't think so. Do you think so? <laughs> I don't know. The Giants do run, and they do a lot of running. That could be a team, even without Saquon Barkley, they are still running the ball a lot. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. I haven't been paying too much attention to them either. But uh, I'm going to take your word for that, perhaps. But I don't think they could stop Aaron defensively, though. Like, I don't think they're going to stop stop your boy, number 12. But I don't know. I mean, you know them a little more than I this season, I have mainly watched just the pack and whomever we're hosting or playing against. Looking at this season as being a little bit unique because of just how things are it's a little different. Team. Not a lot of uh, training camp, not a chance to see people. There's no training camp, right? Yeah, none at well training camp, but no preseason. Yeah. To you. Was there any optimism heading into the season, looking forward to watching the season? Did you think there was going to be a stop and play like baseball had a little bit with the whole Marlins debacle and, and even with what happened with the Titans? Man, I'm not going to lie, man. It's all still like just wild and weird and kind of surreal to me. Only because I knew they were going to shut things down was I looking forward to watching because the guys are going to be out there. Either way, whether you care to pay attention or not. And, of course, you know, once the games are rolling, it's hard to not watch. I'm kind of surprised at how, as the season, you know, is picked up. I mean, you know, we're probably three games away from the playoffs. I mean, I guess it sort of felt in stride with previous seasons and, I mean, definitely not with the whole, like, year of sports. I mean, it's uh, it's still weird. But it's, I guess, in a way, uh, comforting to know that someone was able to keep him moving with hardly a hitch. And, like I said, like, who's not going to watch? And so I haven't been, like I normally am, like, reading every article every day watching their videos like i just haven't been privy to the league like that uh, this year because i mean obviously it's considering you know what's going on collectively and around the world uh it's been a little tough to to really buy into like the the fervor like oh hell yeah go back i mean i'll still with him so about it but it's um it's been interesting but uh 
man, I mean, we've had some good games this year. <laughs> I really thought that game was over. Like, I think uh, what happened was I watched the first half and I actually dozed off, like, going into the third. And then, uh, then I was like, all right, well, this one's over. And then, yeah, like, the Twitterverse is just, like, blowing up, like, oh, no, game of the year and yada yada yeah. Yeah, Browns Ravens, just to for anybody clarifying. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool that we've sort of come back around to that. And I guess overall it's been a been a healthy distraction. What is your Super Bowl prediction? I know it's very early, but who do you see coming out of the AFC and who do you see coming out of the NFC? And what's the final score? Well, I'm gonna go with the Adidas sponsorship bowl. It's going to be uh, Pat Mahomes and crew against, uh, you know, a main man, Packer Nation. There would be no defense in that game. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I can see a score usually being like something akin to uh, that uh, the wild card game uh, back in 09. It was uh, when we played the Cardinals. I forget the exact score. It was like 51, 46 or something like that. Something crazy. I can see a score like that in the Super Bowl. If I were to give you a score now, maybe it won't be that high. Maybe there'll be a little little defense because it's a Super Bowl, so you expect some defense to be there. But someone to make a stop here and here and there. So we'll say uh, forty to thirty-two. And uh, MVP is going to be uh, your boy, number twelve, and he's going to have his second championship, second Super Bowl MVP, second regular season MVP. No, third regular season MVP rather. Yeah, I think that's how it's going to go down. Where can people go to find you and reach out to you, especially once this episode airs or even this excerpt of the episode airs? Well, I haven't been that active on social media lately. Uh, however, you can find me on Instagram or IG, which is a color nowadays. Uh, I think I am at Sparky underscore McRitchell Kings. <laughs> Sparky underscore McRitchell Kings. I don't know why that so makes me laugh. And, uh, and on Twitter, um, I am at Lugox. <laughs> uh, I think it's Thrandles. At Lugox, I don't know. I think that's funny. I don't know. Sparky McGriddle Cakes. How did you come up with that? There has to be a reason. For a lot of you guys uh, who don't know, when you hear his voicemail, it'll be him singing Sparky McGriddle Cakes. It, it is still, right? <laughs> it's not, uh, hello, goodbye, good morning, good night, right? Sparky McGriddle Cakes. Sorry, that dude. That's that's a jingle. That's, that's got to be for something. That's, that's uh, Evan Elliott. Well, yeah, you know Evan. I don't think I work with him. Oh, okay, yeah, my man Evan. So it just came up naturally. There was no. Oh well, I guess it has something to do with uh, I don't know. I mean, hyper. I don't know the ADHD thing. I don't know. I don't know, man. I exude the aura of us of one who goes by Sparky. I think Sparky is short for Sparkmund. So I had the Irish <laughs> McGriddle case. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> I hope you enjoyed these interviews with fans representing the teams in the NFL playoff field. And of course, ultimately, if you have your own prediction for the Super Bowl, feel free to let us know either on Twitter at the Sports Refuge or on my Twitter, the Earl Holland. And you can do the same for both Instagram and Facebook as well. 
Next time, my guest will be author and the founder of the website Recruit University, Cortez James. We'll talk about his experience becoming a football coach in the Stephen Decatur football program in Berlin, Maryland, before expanding to becoming an author and writing about how kids can get recruited to the college level. As always, you can find episodes of The Sports Refuge wherever podcasts are heard, or you can go to The Sports Refuge website, www.thesportsrefuge.com. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.